that'll be all right. Okay. Your face looks really small. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Some people say that to me in, in Korea. You know, they're obsessed with the head size. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not true. But in these days, yeah. sometimes I look and I'm like, is my head like a bit small? Yeah. I never, is it? Is my, is it looks a bit smaller than there, does yeah. it? I think yeah. it's your body getting bigger. I think it's your body. I'm quite proud. I've got my body a bit smaller this year, actually. Oh, nice. I've slimmed down a little bit. Are you I feel. still like running and. I, I haven't been running. I've been stuff. doing like aerobics. I've been doing that Uh-oh. Mr. Motivator thing. At home? At right? home, yeah. I haven't oh, been to wow. the gym once, but it, it's working. I'm feeling nice. like I, my trousers are baggy now, man. Oh, good, <laughs> it's, good, good. It's, a, it's a nice feeling. <laughs> We're going to get into this. Okay. However you want, whenever you want. Yeah, yeah, let's 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 go for it. So you're obviously here in your Arsenal jumper. Gooners, gooners, yes. And, <laughs> and thank you for that. And and you do speak like a bit of a naughty Londoner sometimes. You do bust out the the lingo and the slang, don't you? More when I'm with fellow Brits. Yeah. But to be honest, like when I'm with my mates, like my North London mates, then yeah. it gets the worst. And then I feel like I would work a lot less in career if I spoke <laughs> like that all the time. I, I think my accent has become really bastardized. You know, people ask me, where are you from? Are you like Canadian or new? People oh, get really? really confused. Not just within Britain, but no, yeah, confusing yeah. you for uh, You're not quite an international English, I think. I can still tell you're definitely British. I think most people, but I think yeah. there's some people that can't quite get it. Okay. <laughs> and so w- what I want to talk to you to start with this conversation about, Pete, is what part of you is Korean? Now, that's obviously a very sensitive subject, but it's kind of selfish uh-huh. for me because mm. I've got two young kids. Yes. And I feel like they're going to go through all of mm. this. The, the time will be different because the 80s and 90s are yep. different. But I, I want to talk to you about this because I want to learn because you've already been through this, I guess. Sure. So yeah. w- what part of you is Korean? Well, so the facts, for sure, I could say my yeah. mum is Korean, like 100% genetically. I guess somewhere (laughs) in her past there will be something else. And then my father uh, was a white British guy, and he passed away about seven years ago. Um, So that I can say with confidence. And then how I used to say it was Mm. I'm half Korean, half British. You know, I always used to say that when I was little as well. Uh, And then I don't know when it was. It was definitely when I was an adult. I started thinking... Is that right to say half half? Mm. Is that like implying I'm not quite a whole and I've got to have both of those to be a whole? Or am I like disrespecting each side by saying I'm only yeah. half Korean? I'm yeah. only half English. So I used to get in taxis in Korea and then they'd always ask how they do, you know, where are you from if you're foreign, mm. right? The taxi mm. drivers. And I started saying instead of that, I was like, Mm. Because, you know, they'd know I'm foreign because I don't look like a regular Korean. Mm. And then when I said that, that my mother is Korean, they'd be like, oh, wow. And then they'd ask, you know, oh, where's your dad from? And then I'd say the UK. And then, I don't know, that's just defining my parents and then leaving it up to them kind of thing. Like, what do you think I am? (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know if I thought about it too deeply in terms of those ratios when I was like growing up. But I always definitely felt and said, you know, both Korean and English, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know. I don't know if there's a need to to kind of exactly put the ratios on them because technically my kids are three quarters Korean now yeah, because my wife is Korean and just a quarter British, you know, yeah. if you want to be really, like, technical about <laughs> it. But to them, I definitely don't say that. I don't say you're three quarters this and one quarter that. I just say you're British and Korean, mm. you know. And I think that's how I felt. You know, I grew up in Britain. 
but I came to Korea often as a child and my mum was a, a big influence sure. because my dad was like uh, in the army getting posted here, there. So I definitely, despite living in London, you know, growing up with that naughty North London accent and whatnot, <laughs> felt Korean as well at the same time, yeah. I, I felt like I've got to know your mum a little bit by watching a few YouTube videos <laughs> to prepare for this and get it. I, I, she is that wacky in real life. And, amazing. And full of energy. <laughs> are, are people able to tell, you mentioned like taxi drivers asking mm. where you're from. Do you, how do you do it? Like, do people over here get that, that like, where are you from or are you Korean? Because... Mm. I see it with my kids. People yeah. in the street will stop and, and, and they'll look. Or if me and my wife go out with our niece yeah. and we're just taking the niece out mm. right, and it's just shopping or get a coffee or something, yeah. people in the street will look at my niece who looks Korean and then yeah. look at me and go, how did you make that? That, that? that doesn't work. And so there is this kind of visual thing going on. People are looking and talking yeah. about it. Do people pick up with that from you visually or taxi drivers? or? Well, you know, I, I don't think I look like a typical quote unquote like halfie. <laughs> if there is such a thing, but I feel there yeah. is because there are some half Koreans where a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you, you do look Korean. Mm. With me, it's always, but you don't look Korean at all. Mm. Like when I say my mum is Korean and I'm half Korean. And I don't take offense by that at all. And I don't think they mean offense by that. Sure. At all. They're just yeah. like, there's an expectation that I have of half Korean children or people maybe in the media, maybe a bit paler, mm. who look a little bit. Korean and East Asian at the same time as looking Western, whereas I kind of look like I'm directly between what London and Seoul, maybe like Dubai or something like that, right? The Middle East. And so it's interesting as well. I used to get this a lot when I was saying that to people. They'd say, oh, no, you look. And then they'd insert a country that they feel I look like, like yeah. South America, yeah. India, yeah. Middle East. Sometimes Africa as well. I got you are very cosmopolitan looking. Greenland as yeah. well. I think I could pass for anything. Yeah. Like if there was any kind of script for a character in a, a movie, I could go for anything, just like tweaking it, my background a bit. Um, so, yeah, the looks thing in Korea for sure is much more overt and openly said. I'm sure in the UK people might have thought, yeah, I do wonder where he, he's mm. from originally. Mm. Despite me growing up in London and it, of course, being multicultural in the 80s, I think still people were thinking, I, I wonder where his parents are from yeah. kind of thing. Although they wouldn't really ask that even at that time. Yeah, yeah. so... I think you could probably get away with being in that new Netflix thing Wednesday. The Adams Family. <laughs> That's how I see you sometimes. I and I, I, I say that with respect, mate. I, I do want to at some stage get into the idea of language. And mm. we, we know Becky White has that Harfie project mm. and how you do that. Do you feel like, just staying on it a little bit more, do you feel like any parts of you are Korean? Like, do you have the Mongol jom? Do you have the blue spot above your bum? Or do you have like unhairy legs or hmm. do you see what I mean by that are there any physical features of you or temperament that you feel is that, you're like yeah that's that, that, that's interesting like I don't think I thought that way when I was growing up like I always thought mm. I don't look Korean because I was told that a lot you know okay. growing up and maybe that kind of reinforced it I always thought yeah I've got my dad's eyebrows kind of a, a nose like a westerner mm -hmm. as they would say or couldn't call kojengi in Korean they say kojengi as yeah. well yeah <laughs> you're just a nose a nose yeah. Uh, and yeah I used to think I do look like my mum in some ways mm -hmm. but yeah. she often gets the comment which means you don't look Korean. You look a bit foreign, a bit mm. exotic. And so I always thought the bits of my mum that I did take after were kind of the Korean bits. I guess one thing that totally flew under the radar was my black hair. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, it was a bit more light. It was a bit darker brown. You've got so good hair, Pete. <laughs> it, is, it is receding for sure. But 
I didn't really think about that, but black hair is definitely a Korean side of things. It's thick as well. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, right. yeah, very thick. Although not like really straight like a lot of Koreans. You know, mm. it's a bit curly. So that again, I thought that's my British side, my dad's side, blah blah blah. I think when I was a baby, although I can't remember, but my mum reminds me, I had that Mongol like big birthmark, mm. and then it disappears for a lot of kids. It has for ours as well, our yeah. two. Um, and then you mentioned the hair. Yeah, my dad was proper hairy like hairy chest hairy back everything yeah. Yeah. and i have like very sparse amounts of hair on my chest and stuff and my back is pretty hairless i think uh but i never really thought oh that's the korean side of me i don't know if we do you talk. sweat i sweat like a korean in terms of well i don't know if it's like a korean but it's like my mum it's interesting i don't think i've talked about this too much uh in broadcasting if at all like when i first started out and mm. when i was younger mm. uh i used to sweat a lot when i was nervous right and not just a regular nervous sweat but a proper like medical condition so i did okay. some research into it and my mum had the similar traits that she used to talk about and i've seen them now that i noticed them like when you get a bit too nervous and you sweat profusely, like you're just dripping, and it's not hot at all. And it's like hyperhidrosis, I think, is the term. And That's there's medication word. that you can take for it, right? Okay. It's like a thing like that tablets can... tablets or something? Or? Yeah, and there's also creams that you can put on to, like, block your pores, just like an antiperspirant. Right. I considered doing that, but then a lot of, like, I was reading on the internet and getting really into it, and they were like, then there's um, sweating elsewhere worse mm -hmm. right because the mm -hmm. sweat has got to come out somewhere yeah. so i was like oh that doesn't sound very nice like it'll come out of your scalp instead or something Jungle like butt. that <laughs> yeah perhaps <laughs> indeed uh and so yeah i don't know if i considered that a korean thing but i definitely thought that was from my mum's side and, and now i have come to korea and you know part of that is you go really red you get the flush not mm. with alcohol just when you're a bit embarrassed and yeah. stuff like that but the way i've dealt with it is just getting more comfortable in like being myself and being yeah. on camera and stuff like that. And luckily that's worked. But for many people, like when I was reading about the groups and communities, it can be pretty debilitating. Like you have no mm. confidence to go out in public and you definitely, like the vast majority of those kind of people don't walk, work in broadcasting and things like that. But then when I was watching Korean TV from time to time, I kind of noticed it that there were certain people that sweat a lot and yeah, they're and their wiping themselves with their handkerchiefs yeah. and stuff. Mm. And like in the West, I guess a lot of those people would be filtered out of broadcasting. It'd be like, that, that's mm. not what people maybe want to see. But maybe it is more common here in Korea. I don't know if there's a thing why, why you asked about sweating. Is that like a kind of known thing? I, I, I got the impression that, and this is crass generalizations, <laughs> but when I first came here, it was so hard to buy deodorant. Mm. And in the summer I was yes. sweating. I was like, I need some deodorant. Like, ah. What are you doing? Korean people do yes. you not sweat like I sweat uh, the opposite side of <laughs> but the great. opposite but yeah I I read this uh, study that says when you're doing broadcasting mm. you know you're nervous yeah, your yeah. heart's racing or something like that especially the first times but after a while now when you're doing yeah. a show or something yeah. you're not that nervous no, no. but your heart will be going at the same pace as it always was. Oh, wow. You're still getting that adrenaline, uh -huh. but you're just in control of it now. Oh, nice. I find that fascinating. Your body just learns to deal with it. Yeah, Ooh. so you're still getting that physical reaction sometimes yeah. inside, but you're just dealing with it much better because you've uh -huh. been through it so many times. That's interesting. And one thing, you know, this podcast, I'm guessing we can talk about pretty much anything. Right? Yeah, you There's can not... sw you swear. Okay. You can say, because you, you work where you can't even say like Netflix <laughs> yes, or something. Yes, 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 very strict. And if I swear too much and too many places see it, they might not like it so much. So I won't act like I'm with my North London mates completely, maybe right. later. Um, but the thing about like what's Korean about me, 
<laughs> yes, yes, I'm going there, like, like downstairs. Like, and I was going to do, I'll leave it at that. I won't go into too much detail, but yeah. I was going to do, I was asked to do this stand-up comedy show in Korea. It was, like, for adults and proper, like, edgy, okay. like, Western stand-up. Was that recently? Park Nare and all that were doing yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. So she did her own show, and then I think she was part of a hosting team for a show on the K station, mm. KBS. And they had a foreigner or two on there. Mm. And the rest were just Koreans, like, doing edgy comedy. I don't know. Do you know? I think it's JY is her English name. She was on TBS for a while. And uh, she's a stand-up comedian talking about, like, teenage girls and puberty and stuff like that. Really pushing the envelope in that way. And they were like, you know, let's do something with you, Pete. Because they met me a few times. They thought, oh, you're pretty humorous in Korean. And they really wanted to push it, Mm. you know, and, and... we came up with this routine about, you know, being half Korean and the top half is Western and the bottom half is Korean and talking about that. And to be honest, yeah, when I was going through that period, like end of primary school, we went on a field trip, I remember. And, you know, boys all share a room and there were like communal showers and stuff. And I got very self-conscious, you know, and I was like, this, this, I think, is my Korean thing. Because, you know, I'd grown up seeing my dad come out the shower and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on here? You know, and I was really worried for like a good year or two. And I remember crying to my mum and stuff. Wow. And her saying, you know, it's all right. It's okay. And, and asking my dad, you know, is it okay? And then my dad's like, I think it's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't look that bad. But You've got two just, kids. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it, it's all working. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, go through puberty and, and everything changes and stuff. And now it's totally fine. But at the time... I remember thinking that, mm. and thinking, oh, oh, that's not something I'm, I'm particularly over the moon about or ecstatic. Yes, I bet you didn't know it was going to go there. <laughs> I didn't, because I've just been reading that Crying in H Mart book, and uh-huh. and there's a scene in that where she goes to the Jimjilbang with mm. her mother, Okay, and and she has a an American father, the, okay. the Michelle in this, yes. and, and the mother says when they're in the Jimjilbang, and it says this in English, have you been shaving your body toll? <laughs> Oh, and I was really—I was like, "Wow, that's a big thing to say in the book." But interesting. But there again, the I think says the it. mother says the it to Korean the daughter. Mother. Yeah. Wow, is that common? I uh, thought that was not common at all. I, uh, there's a cultural difference there, I think, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Just just while we're there on that <laughs> subject, you know, I'm sure many people that have come to Korea have witnessed the. And Joshi in the changing mm. rooms with the hairdryer. Yes. You know, just blow dry it. Because they don't tend to, like, groom down there so much. So there is a lot to dry, yeah, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. You yes. get this perm. <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did we get there? But, uh, I, don't, I am very fond now of the public parts, I must say. Like, when I was growing up, as a kid, obviously, I was fine because you're not self-conscious at that right. age. And I used to just play around in the pool. Then through, yeah, puberty and teenage years, I was like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, went with my friend who was a girl her dad to the public bars and obviously they're separated by gender yeah. there so she went with her mom and i went with her dad and you know he was like we're getting the scrub you know the full works the full yeah. body scrub yeah. and i hadn't even done that since i was a child and i was like and we were laying next to each other like getting a scrub he's like, this is lovely isn't it i was like i'm really not comfortable here but now i'm an adult uh, yeah. a father especially the kids love going and i love yeah, that experience now great. and now when you're comfortable in your own body and your own skin mm. it's such a lovely thing just to walk around and just wash and get hot and get cold and yeah. all do it together yeah and and just to get sort of it, it feels almost natural i know you're mm. inside yeah. but it feels like a very natural you're getting away from digital screens yes. and technology yeah, and there's work nothing in there, yeah I, I've always had no problems. I, I don't have any tattoos or anything, uh-huh. which I'm quite thankful for at yeah. the moment. But 
I, I've never had any problem in there, but my brother, uh-huh. if he's ever watching this, hello, Adam. <laughs> my brother is a big boy. Okay. Like, he, he could be a WWF wrestler. Okay. He, he's he's yeah. like this. And uh, taking him into Jim Jim Box is brilliant because <laughs> people just, wow. Wow. What is okay. it? You know, yeah, it just really does turn the heads. But that's a, it's a beautiful oh, thing. I do love it, yeah. yeah. I recommend that to people who come, yeah. Get out your, your comfort zone. <laughs> Get out your comfort zone. The, um, this, is a, this is a bit of a switch from mm. Jim Jill Bunks, but okay. I, I, I want to head on to this part because we talked about ratios and you don't really do ratios. Mm. And growing up in Britain, <clears throat> as I did as well, you look around school and there'll be all sorts of colors and, mm. and, and people and things like that. And it's yeah. just what it is. Sure. In Korea, it's a bit different, mm. isn't it? You've got this Tanil Binjok. You've mm. got this idea that, you know, Korean people are one. There is a family and it's it, it's us and them. You can see it very simply by looking at football teams. Sure. I, I, I find football teams mm. a wonderful representation of yeah. like, national football teams mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the culture. Have you got any observations on this, like... You know, this idea that to be Korean is not in your passport, mm. right? Because if you take people like Ma Dong Seok, yeah. right? An American passport. Sure. And people look at that guy and go, that, he's Korean. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, b- because Koreanness is sometimes seen as being in the blood rather than in the passport. Mm. And from where we grew up, perhaps it's more yeah. about in the passport. You know, you sure. have your heritage, but yeah. your identity is in that civic legal document. Mm. It is very separate, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, I read this list of questions that you sent last night. And that one kind of stood out to me a little bit because I suddenly thought, you know, I always go around, especially in the UK when I was growing up, saying I'm Korean and, and British and English. And uh, my friends would ask, you know, well, what's Korea? Where's Korea? Blah, blah, blah. And I have lots of pride in telling them, even back then in the 80s before Hallyu and Gangnam Style and stuff <laughs> like this, because I loved it because my family was here. You know, it wasn't yeah. the best country at that time. It was still developing. Um, but I was so proud of that. And... Having lived in Korea now for, what, 12, 13 years, I kind of didn't notice this, like, or wasn't conscious of it. But I'm definitely doing a lot of the work I do and functioning as a person, almost as a complete Brit here. Mm. And I always say, and I'm a little bit reluctant when certain broadcasters like, you don't have to overplay the fact that you've got a Korean mother. They don't outright say hide it, but they might say, you know, we're stressing your Britishness. And uh, I, after I read that question yesterday, I was like, that's so interesting. Here in Korea, I almost am less Korean mm. being here and living here no. than in the UK because I'm asked to, of course, when I'm teaching English, then that's a given. I'm using my British side of things yeah. and, and my experience growing up there. And now I'm broadcasting on many shows. You know, it's the British perspective that I bring to the table because there's a Korean panel and they've got enough of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it kind of blew my mind in a way. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of... And I don't dislike it. Like, it's not me being shackled or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of upside down the fact that I live here but I'm maybe more British and show that side more than ever and yeah not having chosen that consciously mm-hmm. but that's that's what it looks like if I had to analyze it which and is that's where the work takes you and that's what's asked of you because they do want that sure you know. and I, I sometimes worry <coughs> you know uh, the longer I'm here like that kind of makes me seem from the outside more Korean. You know, if you've been Mm. here too long, then what do you remember of the UK? And the UK has changed so much. So when I'm on shows, I'm sometimes worried like, oh, if I stay here too long, 
or if I don't emphasize my Britishness enough, then am I kind of useless? Because yeah. then I'm not a celebrity, right? I'm not that that kind of level. And then I'm not really British. So I'm like, do I need to kind of do my homework and go to Britain and like immerse myself every few years and things like that? Uh, but yeah, you're so right how it's so different to the UK, especially to London. You know, even now when there's lots more foreigners living here and visiting here, it's very much, you know, you're a Wegogin, you're a foreigner. Not you're not welcome, but just that's the kind of distinction, right? We're the Koreans, you're the foreigners. And in fact, in many cases, you're more than welcome, but it's as like you're a foreigner here kind of thing. And I don't know if you could ever become like a true Korean with a non-Korean face, right? Mm. I, I don't know. I can't think of examples. Like even the celebrities here have been doing it for ages. I don't think they're considered as Korean Koreans. In fact, they're still considered as foreigners, which is why they get a lot of their work and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's a interesting question because different countries obviously must be different like the uk you say you're british once you've got your passport even if you can't speak english very well right mm. you're still british and to question that is kind of faux pas right <laughs> it's absolutely true and excuse me <clears throat> this sometimes i feel like i need to go back to britain sometimes <laughs> or students will ask me david have you seen this drama and this yeah. new british show and i'm like no what the fuck is that, that yeah. like yeah i haven't <laughs> heard of that one but there is this idea of Wegukin, isn't there? Mm. And it's just like, there's 50-odd million Koreans. And there's yeah. 25 in the north. <laughs> there's 50-odd million Koreans, and everyone else is just yeah. like You're just 8 billion world, right? foreigners. There's no <laughs> differentiation between yeah. here, here, or there. It's just like, ah, and... People don't mean this badly, but you walk down the street and people will go, oh, Wegukin. Yeah, the kids especially, this, right? Yeah. Kids will give it, Migukin. Yeah, There's an yeah. American, <laughs> but they'll just shout out, foreigner to you. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, they don't mean bad by it. No. I, I think you really got to stress that. But I, I totally get what you're saying because I think there's a case that no matter how... For example, I, I've lived here like 18 years, mm. right? So yeah. <laughs> I've got the PhD, doing as much as I can, studying, learning as much about the history and culture. <laughs> Even if I did that until my dying days, <laughs> never be Korean. Yeah. There would there, always be that barrier. And I think that comes from that ethnicity. Mm. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. And I, I won't ever try to change that. But that's not the case in other countries, is it? Yeah. You could kind of assimilate and you could be part of it. I think that's Korea's strength. In one sense, mm. that, that unity has really helped it get where sure. it's got, you know, without that. In other ways, it can be very uncomfortable for some people. I think mm. being a white guy with yeah. a British passport, I'm a little <laughs> bit more okay with it. I sure. think if you're a different identity, it might feel even more othering or yeah. alienating. Sure. Uh, I'm really curious if this is going to change because I have seen... You know, I've been here since the 80s in terms of regularly, right? And so I've seen how definitely these days there's less like, it's a way of cooking. Even yeah, from the is. kids, like yeah. a lot more of them are just like, oh. Like, whereas it used to be like 90% of the kids would say, oh, we're working because they'd <laughs> never seen them Hello. before. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's getting less and less each yeah. time, right? So people yeah. are getting more used to it. But I think they're getting used to, yeah, there's a foreigner in Korea, not he's a Korean or anything like that. Mm. I wonder what would be, what would have to be that tipping point? Because surely in other countries where there's lots of immigration and immigrants, there was a point where it was more, you know, just all homogenous yep. white people in the UK yep. or something like that. So there must have been a process in other countries. And like you said, the times have changed. So the situation is different. So how will it play out here? 
I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, there's going to be way more immigration, way more multicultural families mm -hmm. in the next 10, 20 years, in like the kind of midterm rather than long term. Yeah. So sh surely that will change, the mindset, the psyche will change. So I wonder if till our dying days, will we not feel Korean or will it change within our lifetimes? I and I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing, like you said, because right. that is a big strength for Korea as well, because you really do feel united, like with the World Cup, Recently, you've seen everyone's behind it yeah. as a nation unified and really it's a different feeling to the UK where we're all crazy about our football. We're wearing our Christmas sweaters after all. We were terribly disappointed when we lost to France, but it doesn't feel the same. It feels different, that kind of patriotism and the one we have in Korea. I don't know. I don't know how to describe that. They apologize here when they lose. They're like <laughs> representing the nation. They'll come out. That's yeah. one of the differences I noticed when I watch the Korean language interviews with the Korean players after a game. Mm. They feel like they're genuinely talking to the yeah. nation, representing everybody. And sure. if they didn't win, they're like, we're really sorry. <laughs> they're, they're, they're almost apologetic. Yeah, and that's I, true. I don't think you get that sense from the British no. footballers. They're not like, we're really sorry. <laughs> they're like... Yeah, it is, it's different, isn't it? Definitely. I, I think maybe the British footballers, the English footballers, they might act like, oh, we had the hopes of the nation in the on, on our shoulders, blah, blah, blah. But they won't actually feel like they're mm. really connected, connected yeah. to, to, to most of the nation. Yeah. They're pure. <laughs> I, you, Britain and England, my, my brother-in-law sent a message before the first England game in our uh -huh. group chat. And he'd obviously been using Papago. He'd, he'd been using the translation <laughs> device. Okay. But fair play to him. Yeah. But he still sent the message and it was... Uh, uh, good luck, Britain, on tonight's game. <laughs> like, the whole of Britain. The whole of it. The Welsh won't agree with you on that one. Neither will the Scottish, but there it is. Let's talk then about, and I do find it interesting, by the way, because our kids are going to school and, and those children, they're growing up with these questions about, mm. are you? I've heard it at the school gates when I go mm. and pick up Edward and Elizabeth and that. Yeah. Are you Korean? What's going on here? <laughs> they're already having those conversations yeah. amongst themselves. So uh -huh. it will change. How does language play a role in all of this because your language skills are mad good <laughs> and uh but not everybody's are and in, in mm. terms of assimilation in terms of living here in terms of your identity i think some people grow up and that you know i'm reading books and talking to various tck's the mm. culture kids that uh -huh. um especially at hanyang university they grow up in guatemala in south africa mm. in thailand outside wow. come back and some of them have awesome korean language skills yeah some of them have zero beyond you know please and thank you yeah. how do you think language plays a role in all of this well firstly you know i i think for me i get a kind of free pass because i don't look korean at all you know so people don't judge me by you have a korean mother standards they judge mm. me and you by the same standards you know but your korean language skills comparably i have way more respect for because you're starting from zero right i can speak this level of korean and it's no way near perfect but I can speak this level because my mum, you know, she, it, it was a selfish reason. She couldn't speak much English and she mm. felt lonely. So she would speak Korean to me all the time. And dad would be off posted in Belize or the Falkland Islands or wherever. And so it would be just a Korean household for the first few years of my life before mm. going to like nursery and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm ever so grateful for that, you know. Right. And I was always, always like proud that I could speak Korean. Whereas a lot of the other, there's a group of maybe four or five of us, half Korean, half uh, English kids who lived in the similar area. Right. And so the mums all got friendly with each other. Dad's 
really didn't get on very well, but were forced <laughs> to like spend maybe yeah. once every two months together. And the kids, we loved playing together. You know, none of those other four or five kids could speak Korean at all. And a lot of the mums were often, oh, I don't think you should be teaching him Korean. I don't think wow. you should be speaking Korean to him so much, you know. It's going to really confuse him and he's going to get bullied. And, you know, what's the use in Korean in England? We're going to grow up here. And they would never have it in their households, you know. Mm. And my mum was always, she felt really sad by that. And she felt like, oh, I'm really messing things up. But her English abilities were a little less than the other ladies. And, and so I think she was kind of like torn when she was in her early years in the UK. Mm. But she'd get so homesick that she'd make sure we came back every summer. And then I'd again get naturally exposed to it here. And that reinforcement was fantastic. And, you know, now with my kids, I'm realizing just how difficult that is to teach them a language that isn't used in their country. Right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's a bit different here because English is desired and learned here but yeah. it's not easy to come across and use in everyday life yeah. unless you go to a foreign school or something like that and so i just in the past maybe six months have been thinking more about what my mum did and trying to replicate that by thinking i better go back to the uk regularly mm -hmm. you know to reinforce the need for english like and this is where you're from if you want to get on here, it's going to be tricky with just Korean, you know. Yeah. And so because my kids are really in the Korean school system, all their friends are Korean, me and my wife, we sometimes try to speak English, then we both get frustrated <laughs> and we end up just speaking Korean all okay. the time. I had that conversation this morning. You know, sometimes I'm a real like early bird, right? A, yeah. a morning person. So when I get up, I'm really motivated. I'm straight out of bed. And I was like, kids, this morning... TV's going to be in English, no Korean cartoons. And they're like, no. I was like, okay, from tomorrow. And then I was to my wife. But me and you, let's start speaking English in front of the kids from now. And she's like, shut up. We're on over tall. We're kapjagi. Because she knows I get really keen and then too passionate and too pushy. And she's yeah. like, it's 8 a.m. I'm stressed. I'm Calm getting breakfast down. ready and yeah. stuff like that. But I really highly valued that language skill as part of... I guess, appreciating who you are. Mm. Uh, Do you have any brothers and sisters? No. So it was just no. you and your mum then? Me and my mum. What yeah. kind of language did you and your mum speak? Or now, because when I see the videos and the, uh. like, the things you do, those vlogs and the yeah. cooking and the, <laughs> the galbi, there's kind of this, uh, I'm not sure if it's Konglish, but yeah. you've got this language going on with each other. Is it just all in Korean or uh, now? So when I was growing up, I guess mostly it was... Mum speaking a lot of Korean mm. and me speaking mostly English in the household back to her a lot okay. of the time and then mixing it in with Korean uh, here and there. And then nowadays, yeah, it's pretty much Korean. Like I will speak a lot more Korean because my Korean has improved a lot while living here too. Um, and uh, Do yeah. you study or do you, are you just picking it up naturally? I'm picking it up naturally and I'm sweating. <laughs> this guy turned the heater on. I'm really sorry about that. Oh, did that. he turn it back on? No, it should oh, be okay. off now. It's okay. unplugged. Okay. Yeah, but it is warm, isn't it? You you can get some cream for that, somebody told I, me. I can get some tablets as well, I've heard. Um, but yeah, when I was um, speaking to my mum growing up, it was just wonderful to have her like shouting at me in Korean. You know, I didn't appreciate it then, but now I realise that was... The exposure I needed to realize uh, that language and culture are so kind of intertwined, right? Yeah. For me, yeah. and many people, I guess, learning languages, they don't think of the cultural aspect of it. They're just thinking of it as a tool to get a job or something like that. But if you want to really know a language and pick it up quickly as well, so it's kind of win-win, 
Mm. You know that cultural background, then you can link things in so nicely. And more than anywhere I've experienced, and maybe that's because I haven't been to many places, Korea, if you know the language, it's such a different experience yeah. to yeah. if you don't, right? And, you know, you and me, if we speak even a bit of Korean, because we look foreign, although we're different, uh, we get a lot of praise and adulation, I feel, right? Whereas, like, you're talking about those third culture kids. Mm. If you look Korean and you don't speak Korean Even well, perfectly. There's just a, yeah. yeah then you. people can get on your backs. Like, right. especially taxi drivers and stuff. I've heard some really horrible, heartbreaking stories. Like, mm. going into one about their parents, saying, what kind of parents did you have to not teach you Korean? And I'll, I'll be honest, right? Because I spoke Korean with just a Korean mum living in London. Mm. When I first came across Kyopos in Korea from America with two Korean parents who couldn't speak any Korean, I, I had that thought. And mm. I was like, I was actually really confused. I was like, how do you not speak Korean? Your mum and dad are Korean? And they weren't, like, they didn't grow up in the States. They grew up in Korea, your mm. parents. Mm. So their first language is, is Korean. And yeah, when I when I first said it, firstly, I was confused. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's 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 rubbish why did your parents do that and now of course i realize with my two kids yeah living in korea going to korean school it's just natural it, unless you set up the environment in a certain way and that could be mm. by luck like with my mum. that certainly mm -hmm. wasn't designed she wasn't this tiger mum thinking this is the way to get in my head <laughs> she doesn't look like a tiger no mom. no not at all. although she was like she did have that korean side of her that wanted me to get the commendations and the ducats at school and my British dad was like, it doesn't matter if he doesn't have any of them. My mum was like, you get one. You get one next month. Your Did best friend got you one. You say ducats? Yeah. I've that's... not heard that word for... Is like... that a thing Are in other schools? Are you from the 1950s or something? What's a, my a school ducat? was set up in 1573. So the traditions there were stupidly old-fashioned. I didn't know... Queen Elizabeth I. That's yeah. why it's called Queen Elizabeth oh, okay. Boys School. <laughs> and the... Uh, yeah, there were so many backward things. That yeah. must look great on your resume in Korea, by the way, if you have yes. that on there. I put, the, I put the year there because <laughs> just Queen Elizabeth, no one knows anything. So I just in brackets, 1573. Like that's a thing all people in Korea Britain will do. be like established 2005. Which so very old, proudly. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, she did have that side to her. But yeah. um, no, I, I realized that like designing that environment or even having it by luck where your kids pick up that second language that mm. isn't immediately useful to them when they're younger, perhaps, is so difficult. So those third culture kids, I feel for them when they come to Korea, mm. you know, and they get that kind of shade thrown on them. That must be so tough as well. So I'm, I'm so on the other side of things, like on the plus advantages, benefits. I feel so blessed kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I've, I, I agree with you and I also feel like that. And I think that's where Korea changes according to our own identity, mm. how we perceive Korea, whether we're a man or a woman, whether we're young or old, whether we're, whether we're white or not white or third culture or anything like mm. this, our experiences in Korea change dramatically. Mm. And I've observed that over hundreds and hundreds of young students mm. over the years. And they all come to me with different perceptions of Korea. Yeah. And it's, that's been some of the greatest Korean studies mm. I've ever done because <laughs> I realized that my view of Korea is not the view. It's yeah. a view sure. rather than the view. And it changes so dramatically according to how Korea... And, and that question they're always asking mm. in their presentations, when they do work, they're always like, what is Korean? What mm. does it mean to be Korean? <laughs> because it's so kind of... 
important for people these days. Mm. This idea of identity and 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 how they're going through it. And yeah. there's, like you say, you lucked into these things. There's mm. no manual for it. Yeah, you can't just go online and like <laughs> Google something. If you have a problem with your computer, you go onto YouTube and there'll be an Indian guy explaining how to fix it. <laughs> sure. It's true, yeah, and, yeah. and it fixes it. Yeah, but there's no kind of manual I I, I found to do mm. this. So with with my kids, I only speak to them in English in the yeah. home, yeah. and I, I do want to try to take them back. Sometimes I even try to get them to speak English to each other. Yes, I'm like, come on, right? You're only yeah. speaking English to each other now. That I get would those... help you so much, right? Yeah. And when my kids were little, because I spent a lot of time at home as a freelancer, they spoke English as a first language. You know, Geo also was there going to nursery for a year or two when I went back in 2015, and Ellie was born there, and so they mm. did. They spoke English. I was like, oh, this is the dream. I've done it. I've nailed it. And then as soon as Ellie went into Korean nursery and Gio went into Korean school, and then they're all speaking Korean with their friends. It really quickly accelerates their Korean ability, yeah. and their English ability is plodding along. But because there's such a difference, like very soon, they feel much more expressive in Korean. So of course mm. they want to speak Korean. So speaking English becomes that chore and that struggle because of their ability in Korean, and that is inevitable. Yeah. And I think it's just natural that kids don't want to speak that language, right? And uh, you'll see them on on YouTube or something like that, or on the television. Mm. They're just like on the Korean content like this. <laughs> yes. you, you can try to get them, but you have to do yeah. it subtly. Yeah. The way I do that is I'll watch something that uh -huh. they might be interested in mm. in English, and yes. then they'll kind of yeah uh, they'll be like, "What's that? That looks quite interesting, Daddy." That's a great uh, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> so even if I don't want to watch, Wednesday they watched a little bit of Wednesday. I wasn't really interested okay. in, it, but all the kids were watching. Uh -huh. it. So I thought I'll put that on, yeah. and then they're sitting there watching mm. and hearing these things yeah. without pushing them into mm. it. That that kind of yeah. works. <laughs> it, is it easier these days? So you've talked about growing up in the in the eighties um, in Britain with that multiculturalism. Now there's there's crying in H Mart. This book. There's there's Becky White's Harvey Project. Mm. There's more. I think people are more sensitive now to language. I mm. I, I think we don't use. You know, we, we're a little bit more respectful, a little mm. bit more civilized, I think. There's this yeah. idea in society that, hey, come on, you've got to be nice to people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Is it easier now for, for uh, Gio and Ellie, yeah. Edward and Elizabeth, and all, all the other children out there, is it easier for them than it was for you, do you think, or harder or just different? Growing up as someone in a multicultural family. Yeah, dealing with that Koreanness, the multiculturalism, do you think it's changed in any way or you're like, no, they're, they're still going to experience the same things? Mm. Well, the big difference is obviously they're doing this in Korea and, and I was doing it in the UK. And like we've already said, it's a very different background there. The UK being very multicultural, still mm. comparatively way more multicultural than Korea, despite lots of like improvements, if you can say that in terms of the number of foreigners and multiculturalism in Korea. So I think that means it's a very different experience from them. It's not just coming at it from the other side and, and thinking of English and Korean as the same thing. They're, mm. they're very different things, I, I, I feel, especially at this point in time. You know, Geo is so kind of over the moon whenever he hears like Squid Game or Parasite has done well on the global stage. He'll ask me, and I don't know why he asked me. Maybe it's because he thinks I'm that way cooking and I have yeah. that foreign point of view. It's like, is it really popular overseas? Wow. And he'll ask me, is BTS really popular? And then he'll have this sense of pride, mm. you know? Mm. And 
How old's Geo these days? About eight. He's ten. He ten. Oh, he's ten. ten. Yeah. So grade four in the in the Korean school system. Uh, Started so yeah. to prepare for Sunung soon. He's been doing that for years already. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he feels that way. So I feel like maybe it is comparative because when I was growing up, I don't know if it was just me. Uh, I wonder what you think. But I was kind of proud to be British. You know. I don't know if that's been a thing forever and it still is today, but I feel that it has changed over the years. But I was proud, especially when I came to Korea and I said, Yongguk Saram, mm. you know, everyone's, oh, you oh, know, they, they still are, right? They, they still are. say Shinsar and things yeah. like this, gentlemen. And, yeah. and I feel very lucky for that. Um, so maybe it's that flipped over. Now Gio's really proud of that Korean side of things. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that. But, you know, from my kind of selfish point of view, I'd love him to have that about Britain and mm. England and Yongguk and, and yeah. things like that. Um, and I don't know. I think it's maybe more difficult these days, that whole multicultural identity thing, mm -hmm. because it's so talked about and emphasized. And, yeah, I, I, I'm on board with talking about anything you want and sharing your feelings and things like this. But a lot of the things we talk about today... I didn't consider growing up. I didn't think about no. identity so much and Koreanness and Englishness. It was just my own thing, and and that was fine. And not too many people like questioned me about it, like telling me to share my feelings and stuff like that. And again, this is a very individual thing, but mm. I was happy like that. That yeah. was fine. Yeah. And then when I was older and I came across these questions, it was interesting, and I kind of had my mind blown. I was like, oh that's a kind of problem for some people and some people find this difficult and it's an issue like just finding that out was a kind of interesting light bulb moment for mm -hmm. me but i feel i would have been very confused by that when i was younger if that was like put to me so becoming an adult and coming across that was definitely for me helpful so i'm worried about my kids maybe thinking about those issues too early because it mm -hmm. seems Definitely globally, like in the West, that that issue is becoming more and more prominent in education and things like this and pop culture. Maybe it's good that we're in Korea because it's not quite there yet. Right? Not at all. So, so perhaps. But like you said, there is that flip side where kids in school might be like, are, are you, so, so you're Korean, you're English, what's going on there? Those kind of questions probably would be avoided in the UK, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone's a, a whole mishmash. So I, I, I think it's a a more complicated situation potentially more confusing nowadays yeah. yeah i'm so glad that i don't i'm not 20 and having to work out what my pronouns are <laughs> in my emails because yes. when international students mm. email me they'll have their pronouns in oh, there wow. and things like in that their, like their signatures and stuff. in their signatures wow. in there in, in there and i've discussed this in our in our culture classes um with international students and koreans side mm. by side mm. you know and Korean people look and go, you have to put your pronouns there. What does what kind of pronouns? Yeah. And the American <laughs> students will be, no, we put our, our gender and, and this thing mm. in there. I'm so glad that I don't have to mm. go through that when I was 20 because I'd be experimenting all over the place. Sure. And I'd just be like, right, today, I'm going to be she today just, just because. <laughs> yeah. We have no disrespect to yeah. other people. But sure. then I also sort of ask people, do you, 
do you want to know my sexuality? And mm. all the students look at me like, no, David, like, <laughs> we, definitely, we, we, not. definitely not. Like, shut up about that. We, we, we're not interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. So it is, you're right, this whole other conversation that might be helping some people. It mm. might be much harder for other people that just want to, you know, get on and, yeah. uh, and do other things. But it's definitely changing, mm. isn't it? You can see that change. Not here in Korea, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Not here in Korea. <laughs> we, we have that beautiful thing with... For example, cultural appropriation. Hmm. American students in my class, and they're like, I went to Gyeongbokgung, and they're telling the class, but I, I didn't wear a hanbok. Hmm. Because if they wear a hanbok hmm. and post it on social media, it's they're in trouble. Korean sure. people won't get that. We'll celebrate it here. Yeah, you, you have I, to celebrate it. I like it. it as well, to be honest. I don't know if this is right or wrong, but when I see lots of foreigners go to Gyeongbokgung, and yeah. they're all in that kind of tourist mode and it's mostly maybe southeast asians maybe it's this part of the world right mm. and they'll be in their handbooks dressing up like their favorite historical drama characters and yeah. taking photos yeah. and i see that i get a sense of pride just like koreans yeah. maybe that nice. is that side of things and you're right i guess that's not something we can compare to in the UK. I don't know what tourists would dress up as there, like yeah, the Queen or a beef eater or something. Some, some Colin Fur for you guys. Hello, yeah. I'm Harry Styles. <laughs> Check out my red hot yeah. pants or something. I don't know how to put some Ed Sheeran ginger beards on ourselves. I, I, I don't know what it is to be British. It's, it's a bit yeah. harder. It's, yeah. it's harder all around the world. That that Hallyu thing, if, if we jump to that, um, because... I think many people now are feeling comfortable. You, you said Geo is proud of BTS. Mm. He's proud of Squid Game. Yeah. And I see that across so many people, amongst mm. old people and young people, that, yes, Korea is being recognized. <laughs> and, and I share that. That's a beautiful thing. Mm. Um, we've, I've spoken to some kind of like uh, adoptees, people that left Korea, mm. adopted overseas, and they're now in their, their 30s and 40s. And because of Hallyu, because now Korea is cool, mm. they're confident enough to come back and rediscover their mm. Korean part of themselves that they'd been hiding, right? Yeah. Because Korea wasn't associated with glamour and mm. glitz. And we've had situations. Um, uh, uh, a woman from Sweden who has Korean ethnicity yeah. would be going into a coffee shop or ordering together and the person would look at yeah. the Swedish person to order because she looks Korean and she was like, I don't speak Korean. You have to do Blew the person's mind yeah. that the white guy would speak Korean. But I think Hallyu is, is definitely putting Korea on the map. Mm. It's helping Korean people inside Korea feel more confident. Mm. It's helping people outside introduce. You spend like, what's your take on the Hallyu thing? Let's just start more broadly with this. Sure, like... It's genuine, isn't it? Oh, for sure, like working at Arirang, you yeah. know, and, and hosting that show every morning for a couple of hours and, and we get all these listeners, like maybe 1% from Korea and the rest from all these other countries, you know, mm. up at all hours sometimes tuning in to listen to their favourite K-pop, to hear news about Korea. And working on that side of broadcasting, I'm, I feel really blessed, you know, because lots of Korean celebrities and people working on Korean terrestrial TV and stuff, yeah, they're way more successful, obviously, than, than me or you in terms of their profile and things. But they often ask, you know, is this real outside? Because I think for a long time, any Korean minor success was really played up yep. in the media. Maybe it still is overemphasized, who knows? But at that point, maybe 15, 20 years ago, it really wasn't real, right? Mm. People would be like, oh, did Park Ji-sung really get all the headlines for that one dribble in that match? would <laughs> be like, no, <laughs> he got like a rating four in the sun or something. Um, 
But nowadays, yeah, knowing that it's real by interacting with just fans through those mediums like like Adidang, uh, my mind is completely blown. And I'm really lucky to have kind of been crossing over, having my legs in, in both those kind of eras. Like I started maybe 2010 in like mm-hmm. English broadcasting and Adirang had been established for a few years then. And that was our remit, you know, to spread Korean culture around the world. And to be honest, I was a little bit pessimistic, thinking it's a good aim. This mm. is a nice cause. But how much can we do, number one, as a like radio station or a TV station based in Korea? And number two, how much is Korea going to get in terms of recognition globally with this small country all the mm. way on the other side of the world compared to the main bases of like entertainment and Hollywood and the UK and the music industry and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I'm glad to work here. I feel blessed and stuff. But this isn't surely going to make a dent in anyone anywhere. And the viewers, the listeners... It proved it. There was like no interaction. There was really a small number of people giving us feedback. This is back in 2010, you mean, yeah, in the early yeah, days? Yeah, okay. and even around when Psy happened in Gangnam Style, I, I see that as quite separate, quite an anom- anomaly compared yeah. to BTS and then Parasite and all that kind of stuff. That kind of linked together, whereas Psy was just bang, flash, and out. It was mm-hmm. just like, and people knew it was career and stuff, but I don't think too many people got into k-pop into psy and then into korea via that right and so even around those times there wasn't too much interaction and so we talked about hallyu on the show actually and the hallyu we talked about then was the past hallyu in japan Mm -hmm. you know with winter sonata and peyongjun and things like that and which was huge which yeah Yeah. it was really huge and we used to present these figures about how many japanese people were coming over to buy merchandise Mm -hmm. and then china as well kind of got on board around that time and i I did think that was cool. I was like, well, this is pretty cool. You know, we're maybe traditionally a smaller country historically than both China and Japan, but we're getting all the limelight from there. And then there was more interest from like Southeast Asia. And even that was cool. Never in my wildest dreams did I think it would happen like this. I don't think there are too many people mm. who saw this coming, right? How did it happen? And have you got <laughs> have you got an answer to that? Because you're right. It has switched so yeah, I, I'd i say lots of people who've lived in Korea, maybe coming from the UK or Western perspective, you know, there are things you will appreciate about living in Korea. There are some things that you'll find uncomfortable and, and you'll miss your home country for. But I feel like how, how, how do you say this, like how clean cut everything is, how everything functions almost like perfectly and on time and things like yeah. this. And then how on... The other side, well, not really the other side, along those lines, maybe, it's like a hyper-capitalist place, right, mm-hmm. where we've gone from, like, rags and ruins after the Korean War to really at the forefront of technology and and selling everything. One thing that made me realize that recently uh, was I was talking about home shopping in Korea. You know, every other channel on cable up to about 25 or 30 is home shopping. Yeah. And the American right. listeners, which I thought was like the the cradle of home shopping, they're like, what? How do you have so many home shopping channels? I was like, we take that for granted in Korea, but everything is about being glitzy and glamorous and making it desirable and making you want to spend your money. So we've been great at that, right? Mm. So I think it's half that in terms of the entertainment, right? Yeah. Doing that really well polished and, and really perfectly and really attractively. And then 
as with anything, like a massive dose of luck and timing, right? Yeah. It was just at that point in the global kind of psyche, there were many people in the West, you know, maybe getting fatigued and thinking, it's too much Western-centric stuff. We need something else. We're looking for something else. And then Korean culture and K-pop and movies and dramas, they're just all so well done and yeah. so appealing, right? I'm not saying they're the best artistically. Maybe some of the movies are, but like even the dramas that have become popular from time to time, they're just the ones that kind of stimulate and get you interested. And I must say, I'm one of those. I'm one of the herd, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I'm not an aficionado when it comes to music or, or dramas or even movies. But there's a reason I really like a lot of K-pop that we play on the station. I'm just like, oh, this is addictive. Yeah. And that's what it's designed for. Yeah. And that's why it's going to appeal to the masses. And, and yeah, those kind of all coming together, the timing, the quality of the product and uh, a bit of luck. I think mm. that, that's what's happened. And I think now that it's happened, we can sustain it, right? It's not a matter of it has to continually require luck. Now through effort, I think there's a certain period of time where we can really capitalize on this and that's amazing right? yeah. we're so lucky to live here right i feel <laughs> during this time yeah, as well yeah. I, I feel that doing teaching korean studies because people from all over the world <laughs> like they tune into your show and mm. genuinely to want to know more about that and what i what i love about that and having seen it just sitting beside you on monday mornings is that there's no cynicism in mm, that yeah. it, because there can be a lot of cynicism. Mm. I'm guilty of it as an yeah. academic. <laughs> right? we, we, we kind of have to be. That's sure. what we do. But there's a lot of cynicism around Hallyu because it's been blown up in the past, mm. perhaps yeah. you know, when it didn't deserve it. And, you know, people are always a little bit blase about things like yeah. this. But what you experience is just genuine <laughs> Not necessarily for you almost, yeah, but yeah, you do yeah. get that. But that adoration from mm. people all over the world just really getting into it. And I yeah. think that must that must give you a, a very different perspective mm. on Hallyu from other people because yeah. you're seeing firsthand, maybe like the Korean celebrities aren't, people tuning in, staying mm. up at 4 a.m. Yeah. And if we talk about a drama, like all the people, listeners are, are phoning, oh, I know that drama and I watched <laughs> that one and yeah. I saw that one. They know all this stuff, don't they? Yeah. It's incredible what they it's incredible also like how diverse that audience is right not just in terms of the different countries yeah. and it really is global like we have south america north america europe not so much from africa but i feel that might be something to do with their lack of ability to access mm. these kind of channels and mediums i have heard there's like a decent a decent appetite for like Korean culture even in Africa mm. like with people who've come across it uh, but yeah sometimes the Middle East definitely Southeast Asia and yep. places like that but also the demographic of people is like men women boys girls old older yeah mm. that's what surprised me the most is the number of like older female and male fans mm. of K-pop and K-dramas mm. from countries who maybe have no link to Korea at all and and definitely when I said earlier, you know, Korea being really cutting edge, hypercapitalism, but also the technology, like being on that forefront of, you know, the social media boom and things like this and always having a really active netizen population. Yeah. I think that helped create some luck as well and some momentum through that. And like Western, I think, outlets and musicians were a bit slower to get onto that side of things, whereas Korea has all that infrastructure in place where, mm. you know, 
any artist can pick up their phone and just do a live broadcast and talk to their fans, blah, blah, blah. That's been so important in this as well. Because even your show goes YouTube and VLives yeah. and all of these different platforms, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. And so it's so easy for people just to access. You talk about the different fans. I, I think I'm, and I, I say this respectfully, yeah. but I think <laughs> I'm going to write a column soon at one point, which is called old white women in the comments be like dot 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 because there is this there is these older women yes. that love k-pop and they'll mm. be talking about our boys and yeah. our, it's almost this maternal instinct that it's comes out like, unbelievable but you've seen it haven't you yeah. it is there it, it, it's it, i want to explore it because i'm curious mm. about it is it like some maternal instinct is it is there a bit of sex or freudian mm. thing going on sure. in there or is it just for the music and the love of other cultures mm. i don't know it might be a bit of all of Everything yeah. or nothing, but yeah. I think there's something in there that I I, I want to look into. That. Definitely, that that is a significant like like bracket of our listeners is older women mm. from definitely not Korean speaking or Korean interested like cultures traditionally. Yeah who love their boy groups, you know, and love their, their members of their boy groups. They're I not talking about Blackpink that much, to be honest, no, are they? No, no, Is no. the boy groups. That's definitely our male <laughs> fans, yeah, including me, myself as well. Um, but, yeah, I think there is something to that. Like, I do feel it's a little bit maternal as well. There is that. Right. And I, I don't know why perhaps that doesn't exist so much with, like, British bands or American boy bands or something like that. I'm curious about that aspect. They might have been doing it with One Direction 10 years ago. I mean, if maybe. you look around, maybe it's because we weren't yeah. accessing it, but sure. maybe One Direction a decade ago had the similar thing going mm. on. It might have done. And I, I, I feel like, even if it was, it might not have been to the same level because, like we just mentioned, the interaction. I feel like the K-pop groups have much more opportunity to maybe respond to that maternal love and stuff by maybe like typing a comment or saying yeah. hi to that person whereas One Direction maybe wouldn't concentrate so much on their like fans yeah. in their 60s and yeah. things like this you I know? saw the, the, the photo of Jin doing his military service mm. like he's 30 and you're like wow you look good for 30 mate like, <laughs> they, they do look young and yes. present themselves young in yeah. that industry um, before we do K-pop let's let's do and while we're on this kind of idea of appearance and, mm. uh, and sex and, and things like that you mentioned that South Korea has the technology. Mm. There's one of the reasons for Hallyu in it, and it puts it over there, but also this hyper-capitalist and this appearance thing mm. and these home shopping. <laughs> now, I, I often ask myself this. If I'd been living in the United Kingdom for the last 18 years rather than here, how different would I look? Because in Korea, I feel pretty fat. Like, all the, you go shopping and free size is not free, right? I go back to the UK, I go back, to, yeah. and I just feel thick. I'm like, yeah, man, yes. like this, I'm going to have a Greg's today and a piece. Because how do you observe and how do you survive the beauty standards here, especially working in media? Mm. Because there is a lot of focus on how you look and how you're meant to be presented. Mm. If you'd lived back in the UK for the last 12 years, do you think you'd have like a little tattoo under your eyes? <laughs> do you get where I'm going with yes. this? How, how do you observe it and how do you manage it, mm. these beauty standards? Because they're real here. Where more do you Yeah, I mean, one of the first things I really like realized there's an adult coming to live here in 2008 for the first time because yeah when I came regularly as a child it was very much I'm on a family trip with my mum gonna see my cousins blah blah it was a very like child-centric view of career and I loved it then and I loved the family aspect but when I came in 2008 and maybe before that after I graduated I was here for like six months teaching English as like a kind of gap year thing for me then I was like, oh, my God, this is career from an adult's perspective, from a young adult's perspective. Mm. And I, 
you know, went out a lot in places like Gangnam back in, what, 2003, 2004. I was like, oh, my God, people are so attractive here and so smart looking. And mm. where are all the chavs, you know, <laughs> and the people hanging on the streets, corners, like yeah. with their bellies hanging out and things like this. I was so amazed. Like mm. That took me aback. And that definitely has something to do with you know, the popularity of K-pop, K-dramas, K-movies, in some cases. You know, that beauty and amazing picture-perfect kind of scenes mm. that are real. You know, there are some people who maybe don't care so much about their appearance, but you don't see too many when you're out and about in the big busy places in Seoul, you know. And you don't see ugly people on television here. No. You don't see bald people. <laughs> really, though, do you? It, yeah. It's interesting. It's a really tiny percentage. Yeah. And maybe they've got a character, yeah. you know, behind. They're that character, right? Whereas you're right, in, in definitely in the UK, you've just got a whole assortment of folk. Yeah. But here you would be thinking, gosh, what's that? Um, but <laughs> I do apologize. I have that aspect to me in my British sense of humor. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, yeah, come yeah. up so much in Korea. But does it affect you, the, the beauty standards? Do you feel pressure to look good? And Because now the work that you do every day as well is yeah. like ponunladi. You can see it yeah. as well. I, I wonder, because I'm in it, I don't know what I would be like if I wasn't in it. So I just right. assume I would be like this anyway. If I was living in Korea, mm. I would definitely think that I would be completely different if I was living in the UK for the last 12, 13 years. Just like mm. you, you were saying, maybe if you were living in the UK for 18 years. I, you know, I look at my friends and I love my friends to bits, but it, it, when I look at my friends, actually, it makes me kind of worried. Am I like looking or trying to look too young? Mm -hmm. Because... They look like a British guy who's 40, you know. Are you 39 at the moment? Yeah, yeah. And so my friends are starting to do their 40th birthdays and stuff, and I've been, like, catching up with them, maybe looking at the pictures on social media or, or doing video calls. I'm like, it's really... This isn't just an individual thing. Mm. There is a difference here. And I'm not... I, I love it that I kind of feel like I maybe look younger than them. But at the same time, I'm like... Wait, should I look like this right now? <laughs> Have I lost my kind of perspective? Is yeah. this because I'm in Korea? Um, but the broadcasting thing and like feeling the pressure, I don't know, this may be like a chicken or an egg thing. Do I work in broadcasting because I look like this or do I look like this because I work in broadcasting? Right. You know, Have I just kept this up and, and tried to maintain it? Like getting married to a Korean definitely helped with skincare routines and things <laughs> like this, moisturizing and sun cream and blah, blah, blah. And so I feel like it's not just the fact that I work in broadcasting. Mm. You know, many yeah. of my just Korean friends who do completely other jobs, they also all look very stylish and, right. and very young, quote unquote, compared to a lot of my British friends who, who don't live here. Um, and yeah, there is, I think, a societal pressure. But again, I feel I'm lucky. I don't really feel that. And I... I'm glad that that kind of has pushed me in this direction mm. to try and keep myself in a certain shape, at least. I don't yeah. like go to the gym every day or anything, but I'm very conscious about looking good. And for me, it's not a bad pressure. You mm -hmm. know, it's kind of, well, this is keeping me healthy at the same time. Is there looking good and there's looking young? Is mm. there something in that? Because there is looking good. And I think you, 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 you for somebody approaching 40, you still have some boyish good looks. And I think <laughs> there's a certain career hairstyle yeah. <laughs> that goes towards that. They play that up and yeah. often unshaven, mm. uh, sorry, often shaven, yes. unbearded. Mm. Um, is there a difference between looking good and looking young? Is here the focus on you? That youth is part of it as well. Oh. It's not just about looking good. Yeah. It's not about looking for it, but it's about 
looking young. And even if you're a 30 year old member of a boy band mm. or a girl group, <laughs> you know, it is trying to appear as young as possible. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. But those go hand in hand. I think they're mm. synonymous here. Looking good means yeah. you look young. That's kind of already taken for granted, I feel, right? Like many of even the older celebrities in their 40s and 50s, you know, part of them looking good is they don't look 50. I don't know how old you, Jessuck, is. I look, <laughs> do you have any idea how it's old he is? been around forever, but, but yeah, he, he, you're he right. He looks the kind of yes, same, and he, he yeah. has very youthful presentation. He yeah. sometimes wear, like, baseball yes. caps sideways and things like this, and I kind of look at, like, how old are you? Yeah. I have no idea. I yeah. think if you maybe saw him close up, yes. you would get some idea, but yeah. on television... no. I, I did watch him the other day and I thought... You're getting a bit older. Yeah. You, you can yeah, see it. Yeah, you, can yeah. see, like, you can't stay that same way forever. But he has, for like 15, 20 years, had, you're right, that same appearance. And how, I feel, do you, any idea how old he is? He Just, must be in his 50s. Really in his 50s? Well, he should be around around wow. 50. Surely. Amazing for 50, doesn't he? On, on television yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think maybe that is like an unspoken rule here, you know. You you must look a certain age. Mm. To be one of those like pin-up A-list variety show hosts, right? And mm. There are obviously older celebrities. There's a big market for them. And yep. lots of grandpas and grandmas, my mum included, watch those people on TV. And they do also look good for their age and, and presentable. Yeah. But I think just on mainstream TV, there's that pressure to, to look young to not look like you have a receding hairline and yeah. things like that that's why there's a lot of long hair and things I, I, i'm getting susceptible to that now thinking i need to grow my hair longer and longer every year mm, <laughs> as it recedes mm. more and more yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, but like i said I, I like that kind of that pressure towards that i'm glad that i, I guess i would feel differently if i thought i was failing you know yeah. or if yeah. at one point i reach and I can't do it anymore, then I might be distraught. And probably that day will come. <laughs> yeah. Well, perhaps maybe if if you were born differently, we're all born with different mm. looks and we can't control that. And if we sure. don't kind of meet the standards, I mean, you're pretty tall, mm. you're thin, you've got the skin, you've got the eyebrows, <laughs> and no, nothing said about the lower half. That. <laughs> I, for some people, it might be very oppressive. Mm. But for yes. other people, it's kind of motivating. Mm. I think that's what I've learned about yeah. these beauty standards. It, there's not just one approach to it. Yeah. There's this really interesting idea I've come across recently. And this was after I'd finished this um, beauty standards thing for Asia Society, this video essay, which is that sometimes in Korea, beauty is associated with ethics. Mm. Now, check this out. Uh -huh. If a young kid takes something with two hands or does something properly, mm. the elderly people go, oh, yeppa. Mm. Oh, that's pretty. Yes. So like doing things mm. correctly, doing things politely, you'll be you won't say like good girl, you'll say pretty mm. or handsome. Yeah. So there's this kind of association with uh, beauty and ethics as well, oh, wow. which I'm just trying to work out how that plays in. But that's that's there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yepuda, you, you say a lot. You can say chakada, but a lot of the time you default to yepuda. Oh, yepuda, when you do something nice or you've listened yeah. to your elders or something. I like didn't that. know you're not allowed to say chakada to older people. Oh. It was only recently my <laughs> Korean teacher told me. So she, I thought, I've been saying that for so many years. It does to older. a little condescending, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you good boy. It sounds like that, maybe. The language is hard. <laughs> the language is hard, Pete. I, I, I struggle with it. Um, but okay, yeah, that's the that's the beauty thing. That's real here, and yeah, and I'm sure that's part of Korea's appeal, you know, because that's what people see, right, uh, on on the TV or on on YouTube and everything. They're presented with that attractive image, and I'm sorry, you could be judgmental about it and saying it's all superficial, mm. but just instinctively, 
you see that you're drawn to it, yeah, right? It's, it's like, wow. So if we talk about K-pop, mm. before we talk about K-pop, mm. who's your bias? <laughs> well, I, kind of, like... I, I got pigeonholed into this a little bit, but because I'm, you know, as a, as a father of two, you lose that kind of passion to go and do all this research on groups and listen to them 24-7 and buy yeah. their latest Sure, albums. sure. The question is just who do you find hot? Uh, yes. And so the reason, <laughs> I want to put a reason behind it. My all-time forever, like, longest bias has been Lee. Yeah, you yes. know. And she's still, I feel, she's broken the mold a little bit in the fact we talked about her on Daily K recently because she's on some new variety shows and she's become famous over the past, like, five years for just living in Jeju and right. not really caring too much about makeup and fashion anymore. Not letting herself go in the traditional Meditation sense. and vegetarianism yeah. and all of that. But she's totally, and she's always seemed quite happy in her own skin, but she's now famous for like putting on barely any makeup and showing her wrinkles. Mm. And a lot of the promo shots for her new show were that, showing her with lots of wrinkles and no makeup, which you wouldn't usually use as a promotion yeah. for a show here. And so people have been actually really receptive to that and i think that's great and maybe changing perceptions yes um but if we're talking about biases now if i had to choose now yeah <laughs> it's, it's rose or rose from blackpink yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i watched the documentary and i just you know she's from australia so australians and brits i think we have a similar sense of humor and mm -hmm. stuff and i thought oh that's cool and she's not bad looking <laughs> yeah. well, th that was the question I, I, I don't think it's bad to like although you do have to be careful because i was asked that question like some of these K-pop stars are really young yes, now. So I, I yes. also went with a black. I, I went with Jenny from Blackpink. I was like, that's that's safe at yes, least, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they get younger and younger. But there yeah. is there is that focus now with uh, with K-pop. You listen to K-pop mm. like for at least two hours every day, yes. <laughs> just because of the job you do. And yeah. I'm there with you on Mondays, and and I hear it and. There's a lot of K-pop songs that I love. Mm. At the moment, Edward and Ellie love Hwasa's song, Twit. Which oh, is, nice. But they get in trouble because they're not allowed to say Mong Tonga or Mong yeah, Tongi. And that's like, true. So they're, they're singing the song by <laughs> taking that word out. But th there are a lot of good K-pop songs that I love. Uh -huh. What's your take on K-pop? You hear it all the time. You're not a music connoisseur, but yes. give us K-pop, Pete. I, I feel that helps, right? If I was... And, you know, I used to kind of be jealous of those music connoisseurs at school, at high school, uh, at secondary school, you know, when they would maybe criticize me for liking something commercial on top of the pops at number one. And they'd be like, that's rubbish. <laughs> that's what I call music 37. Yeah, you got those. I had them all. I love those <laughs> CDs. Those are my favorites. <laughs> yeah. and, and I used to feel a bit jealous when I get left out of speaking about like some indie or rock bands, you know, that were maybe a bit known, but I wouldn't know anything about mm. their story or the lyrics or anything like that. But I feel that's really helped me with K-pop because, yeah, I can see a lot of it is targeting kind of the common denominator, right? It's just pop music. And mm. I know there's that debate about is K-pop pop music from Korea or is it just all music, you know, because there are some different genres mixed in and, and that's that's a debate to be had another time. But just in general, you know, I can see that a lot of it is not musically pushing the envelope or anything like that. And I guess that maybe they don't need to win Grammys or maybe that's that's for other musicians mm -hmm. to, to, to worry about. I know some K-pop fans get riled up by that, but I just appreciate it for... And there are some rubbish ones. I don't like all K-pop, of course. Uh, but my standards are just 
if I like it, then it's good, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And so sure. it can be a Blackpink or BTS. I love loads of BTS tracks, to be honest, and I know some of them aren't musically the best, but I just get addicted to them. Um, I quite like DNA and stuff like that. There was that little period mm, around 2016, okay. 17, I think they were doing some interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. like one of my favourite ones, and I think it got panned by critics maybe, is uh, Yet to Come. Okay. It's just okay. a really kind of easy listening thing. I love it. Um, and yeah, we do have, it's interesting, like in the listeners, there are some who now don't want to support the mainstream K-pop. So there's a subgroup of foreign K-pop fans who are like, they're the hipsters. Let, let's not go for BTS and Blackpink. Right. Let's stop playing them and just shining the limelight on them. We need to look at the other groups yeah. who are still, I believe, manufactured like pop artists and maybe we're more comfortable with that in the west because we've spoken about that for mm. i think you know decades you know from back in take that and backstreet boys so we know what that is yeah we we know there's a difference as well with like artists who come up with their own music and then then pop you sound people. like you've been reading my article I, I read a bit of your article <laughs> and talked about it recently and i saw one of the comments and i, I mentioned that but I, i'm comfortable and i like k-pop and i don't judge it like yeah. th that, that's just the way i approach it and I, th I guess a lot of k-pop fans they probably just do that as well they just like it right and they just come to it i think there's one difference in that uh every day you'll be listening to k-pop mm. and i don't think and that's what i do with it i yeah. listen to it yeah. like i try to get it as a musician but that's not the way you're meant to consume k-pop really <laughs> is it you're meant to look at these videos sure. and i think if for two hours you were mm. watching these <laughs> these young beautiful people dancing around the choreography and everything's like on point mm. it's a completely different experience yes. isn't it i think yeah. you're right it's that visual like bang yeah the the k-pop fans that you're looking at from across the globe that's how they're consuming it let's be honest they're not all listening to Adi Dung radio <laughs> unfortunately um but yeah I, I guess if i was coming at from that side of things it would be a very very different response yeah. like when i do watch k-pop videos i'm like oh my god wow that's yeah me too i get yeah. sucked into it as soon yeah. as i watch it i'm like wow that's something else yeah and, Sometimes I purposefully just try to listen to it or then I'll watch it because for my, my Hallyu lectures yeah. and it's a completely different medium. So just before we move mm. from music to a different topic, Korean music, is there something you love, something that you hate? It can be K-pop, it can be not K-pop, it can be old, it can be young. Is there a, Are there any songs or are there any like... I, I guess like what I think people should do, but most won't. And if I was like someone maybe listening to this from abroad, I wouldn't do as well, I'll be honest, <laughs> is just take a step outside of K-pop, quote unquote. And and I do this sometimes because for some shows, I'm meant to like recommend Korean music for a certain theme. Okay. And I'll say K-pop for the winter season. And then what I get back is really just K-pop pop, like yeah. the manufactured groups. It's really hard to find in English, like different genres of Korean music mm. that have been popular, but not in that category, mm. especially if you're going back, let's say more than six, seven years pre the boom globally. Mm. And and so, yeah, there's so much good like Korean hip hop and R&B from back in when I was first coming to Korea, 2003, 2004. And that's kind of all lost in the annals of Korean music history. Mm. And then the other side of things, which, yeah, definitely hasn't really caught on globally, you know, trot music and stuff like that, which my mum loved, still loves. Yeah. And, you know, I used to passively listen to it sometimes when she had a cassette on. You know, there's some great, again, I don't think it's pushing the envelope in terms of musical production, but it's so emotional. A lot of those love songs she yeah. used to sing, they're the ones that I sing in the karaoke rooms. 
Nimamongose. It's like You Far Away by Kim Chuja. Mm. It's from like the 70s, Kim maybe. Kim Chuja was hu- yeah, huge. She yeah. was a massive yeah. pop diva of yeah. her time. It's like my all-time favorite Korean song. It's the one I sing in the karaoke rooms, in the norebangs. And my mum, she gets so emotional when she listens to it. And it, it's just a lovely song about someone going far away and you should have said you love them. And I'm often worried that she's thinking about another man when she sings this song. But uh, yeah, that, that's one I'd recommend to anyone who, who's listening. It's very Korean, that idea of separation and going away yes. and Arirang and the yeah. careers. That's that's so ingrained. Whenever I hear like trot or pongjak, I, mm. I, I just think of gapyong hyuge. So I, I think uh-huh. of the service stations on uh-huh. the road because you get out and they've always got that playing. But <laughs> They're selling the USBs. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the belts and the hodogwada <laughs> and, and things like that. Um, but there's something in Korea about singing. Mm. Uh, you you mm. mentioned norebangs and karaoke's a couple of times. There yeah. is there is something in this country about communal singing. It's probably in every country, and maybe mm. I'm just looking at it weirdly. But it seems like a lot of Korean people love a song and they yeah. love getting into it. And I, I I do love seeing that part of it. Yeah, I think norebang culture. You know, that is different. That's definitely different to the yeah. UK. You know, maybe we'll do a karaoke at the pub. But that's not nobody's going on Wednesday thing. night. That'll be when the weird people go yeah, into the karaoke. Like, but here, no. you're right, and many people are really good at singing. It seems maybe they it's are, just because they? you're exposed to it more and you don't know your British friends could be amazing singers. They just never do it. I think it's the piano lessons from a young age, mm. Uh, mm. where they're they're learning scales and melodies uh-huh. and they're learning mm. how things are going up and down. So I I, I think it's not necessarily the singing. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's the constant practice and I think the piano lessons, uh-huh. the the, the knowledge of scales and, and, and going yeah. up and down. Cause a lot of good singers here. Yeah, there must be a reason for it, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it must be. If we if we switch from this one to television, okay, um, like we walked into this studio mm-hmm. and your man, I'll be Irish for a little bit. <laughs> your man, when he, when he came in, he was like, oh, I know you. I've seen you on television. Which, yes. is, a, which is a way of saying you're crushing it at the moment. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be sat at home. My, my brother-in-law will be flicking through the channels as he does. And I'll, I'll see you on there next to all the home shopping. And yes. <laughs> it, it's, it's taken a long time, right? Like, I kind of, when I started English broadcasting, that mm. was just a random thing that I did when I was at loose end and I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what I wanted to really do. I just started on radio as a reporter. And then after doing that for a year or two, I was like, oh, this is fun, you know, just talking. I saw this photo of you in like uh, in a suit standing in Guagamud or something for NHK. (laughs) Yes, that was very, news reporting is an awkward thing to do. I think just full stop. I I wonder if news reporters ever think this is natural you know there's always a script there's always what you must say yeah Yeah. and that pose and even like with western news reporters despite western tv being much more informal and relaxed i'll never get used to that so i'll never be something i love to pursue or anything um but yeah after working for a couple of years in in english broadcasting i thought yeah this is good i want to do this Mm. and you know i've been in korea for a couple of years watching tv and sometimes seeing the odd foreigner on tv like at that time, it would have been Robert Holly, you know, mm. who was the most prominent at that time. And then Misuda as well, all the girls, you know, yep. on their talk show. And I thought... Which was basically just a talk show of pretty women speak Korean. Like, literally. That yeah. was, that was the idea. Suda, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I used to watch it and think it was fairly entertaining. But I also used to watch it and think, I could do that. <laughs> like, 
apart from I'm not a pretty lady, so that's going to be difficult. I've but, seen your pictures on Insta recently. I could have been. And let me tell you, you're not a pretty lady. <laughs> I've heard otherwise. So everyone's taste is different. Um, but yeah, I used to think, oh, I can do that. And this was like, what, back in maybe 2012 or something. And so since then, you know, if I'm quite frank, I had this motivation. I was like, I really want to be on Korean TV, right. and like mainstream and, and, and getting like the plaudits and recognized and things like this. I wanted that. I didn't want that from a young age. And, and this is just like a side story. But when I used to come to Korea, sometimes everyone would be like, wow, you're so handsome. And I used to love that, you know, mm. as a kid, hearing that all the time. And people would always say, you should be like a, on the TV or a singer or something like that, you know, regardless of not having any of those talents, just based on your look. And and so I come to Korea, come back to England and have this massive ego boost. Be like, <laughs> yeah, I should be a star. But I never really thought I would be a star. And I was really shy and like introverted when I was really young. And so I was like, I don't want to do that. And, and then one time we came to Korea one summer, went past Lotte World and there was like this uh, Charyeong going on a filming and mm. the come up was like oh my god you you want to be in this in this drama or this movie mm. I was like no 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 I don't want to do it I really regret doing that, turning that, that down that opportunity but then it kind of came full circle when I was in my like 20s and thinking I want to do this now I, I really mm. want to do this because I feel I can and I'm already doing like English broadcasting so it shouldn't be too big a step but it took a long time to be honest you know and now I'm, I'm still not like a-list big celebrity or, or anything like that but I'm on a lot of shows here and there and yeah. I'm doing what I, I kind of wanted to do that's great it, it yeah but it took like maybe eight nine years to get to that spot and plus in TV and broadcasting it's not linear at all you know with like I don't know studying and, and academics and getting your degree and stuff you know there's a kind of time frame you know you've got to do this this and this and then you'll get this this and this certification or something in broadcasting, it's so random and haphazard how mm. you get your next job. It's just a writer or a producer will it's think of you. a phone call that comes on or something. Yeah, yeah, and then it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. Or someone will think of you and not think. And I, I've, over the years working in this industry, realized how much is down to luck, you know. Mm -hmm. When someone says, do you know a foreigner who could do this, who could speak about football? Then it all depends on whether the writer remembers your name or yeah. has seen you in a video or something like that. And that's why the more you're on TV in those like outlets, the more probability of the yeah. success snowballing, which is totally unfair, right? It's just all the work goes to the people at the top and it just keeps going round and round and round and round. Um, but yeah, these days I was, I was very much... Uh, happy that he recognized me the chap here yeah and and like with most people who do recognize me they have no idea what my name is but they'll be like <laughs> oh you're on tv <laughs> and they might know that i'm the younger like i yeah. she the, the guy from from britain and that's it but i'm happy with that Yonguk i'm not gonna, be too, not gonna be too greedy yeah sometimes Namja. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you get a lot of it like in the piani jums or things like that because i reckon you must because even i get little bits and uh. i'm nowhere near but it, even I get little bits, but I'm sure you must get a lot. Do you, or how does it work? No, like I, I, I think it's a little bit conscious on my part, or subconscious even. I don't actively look to make too much eye contact. Like, okay, uh, that's very Korean I of you. Feel, yeah, like I, I don't know if that's the Korean side, but it's more since I've been on more of those shows, I've done mm. this more. Mm. Like I just don't. I feel a bit awkward saying hello. And like the conversation is just awkward, right? They'll say, you're on TV. I'll say, thank you. 
for you noticing that I'm on TV. And then I'm like, what do we do now? And then, so sometimes I'll say, oh, do you want to take a photo? Like, I'll say it because it's a bit awkward. I'm just, and sometimes they'll be like, not really. <laughs> and then I'll be like, okay, well, that was a rubbish experience for me now. You've got to get better at fame, Pete. Yeah, so I, d- I don't know what to do. So I actively avoid eye contact. Yeah, and okay. it does still happen from time to time. Usually, if I'm with my kids and we're somewhere like in a Pioneer Jump or something, and mm. then they'll recognize the kids from the TV show that where I do with the other fathers, they'll be like, oh, I've seen you. And then it's nice and I like it. I don't like shun away from it, but I just feel like it's sometimes an awkward interaction. So yeah. I'll avoid eye contact. And I feel with masks as well. Before Corona, even before mm. when I did much less work, I think there were more people coming up and saying, oh, da, da, you're the guy. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mask is a good celebrity foil, I, I, I think. I think so. And I think the mask in many ways, you know, has a lot of pros. I know, you know, I'm not a big fan of it as well as you, you know, in terms of it feeling like you're just trapped and you meant you have to wear it. I, I don't like that aspect, but I feel like it's got lots of positive aspects in terms of if you want to like hide away not yeah. if you're a celebrity yeah, yeah, just yeah. a regular person as well yeah. my wife loves the fact that Especially she for the women the beauty standards yeah. the makeup did i get in trouble the other week for not wearing a mask no you got a lot of praise from our listeners to be honest <laughs> and then they were really disappointed that every other guest <laughs> was still wearing their mask i'm still waiting for the green light from from our producer but i heard on the way here actually on the radio because the numbers have gone up again yeah like, you know, they're discussing, like, release, uh, like, kind of easing those restrictions. Hedge on, at least, wasn't it? Oh, I heard they did that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I heard they're, you know, thinking in January of, of mm. easing things up. But then they were saying, because of the recent spike again, they're re-reviewing that. I'm like, no, just... Yeah, it's, it I, I think maybe by March, by the next yeah. university semester, I think the World Cup has helped. Mm. Seeing everybody with yes. no masks on, yeah. that's that's really played. So. <laughs> really played. I thought I would chant it on your show because I tried to quit your show and they wouldn't let me. So <laughs> <laughs> they, they won't get rid of me for wearing no, a mask. No. Can we talk about your new show that you're doing? That the, mm. the I, I've forgotten the name. Mulkonanun Appa. Sorry. Mulkonanunapadu. So it's literally like Fathers Who Crossed the Water. Okay. And I think it's called Fathers United is the official English title. <laughs> no one consulted any of the English-speaking fathers on that show before right, coming up. Fathers United. Yes. It, it, it sounds a bit like a, a gay group or something. It's like the YMCA, <laughs> the village people. It is weird, yes. yes. But when, like, Or United Fathers, maybe. Maybe it's that way. It's that sounds a bit more like a militant okay. group, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, but that's that's a bit better. Yeah. When is when's that going out? Like, just for anybody, mm. like, give us give us the skinny on that one, mate. Uh, that is seriously a blessing, you know. I like my kind of mantra or my m- the most important thing in life for me is certainly family. You know, that's mm. why I hold dearest, that's nice. and and that's always my priority. Like, how can I spend most time with my family? Obviously, without being unemployed. So there has to be a balance of... <laughs> yeah. And I do that as a freelancer, right? I try and balance how much do I need to earn before I can say no and then just concentrate on spending time with the family. That's always in the back of my mind. Like, it's actually a bit stressful. But that show enables me to earn money and film with my kids. And I was like, that's it. Like, when I was really yearning to be on TV, one of the mm. things I most wanted to do was when the kids... Well, even before our second one was born, was uh, Shudo, like Superman in Torawata with yeah, Sam yeah. Hammington, yeah. you know, and his kids. And I was like, I can do that, you know. I don't know Sam very well. I think I said hi to him maybe once or twice, but I was like, yeah, I could do that. I want to do that. I want to be paid uh, and, and be on TV with my kids. And, and I 
like explore doing that a little bit when we moved back to the UK. I did some YouTube stuff, but I was like, oh, there's too much hard work and not enough immediate reward. Tell me about it. And yeah, so <laughs> the um, United Fathers thing does just that. It's like following fathers with their kids just in daily life and career. And the really nice thing about it, and there are some people on there who've done a lot of broadcasting, and they say that the team, the writers and the producers, they're really laid back. Like They just nice. want to show what's ha actually happening. I mean, they might have a theme. They'll like say, why don't you try this with your kids? But then they'll just let it happen, you know, mm -hmm. however it happens. Uh, and so we've gone to places like Tongyong and, and Suncheon and maybe gone and learned a little bit about Yi Sunshin. That was the main theme. But then it was just still a bit of kids. cookbook just put in there. Like, you <laughs> must course, have learned about Korean heroes. Of course, the, they're <laughs> worried about the ratings in some respects. So they will choose certain yeah. themes like that. There are also like Hyopchan's, the kind of uh, product placement things that happen from time to time. But for the most part, it's just the kids acting natural. You're just going and doing something as a dad. And it is great in getting you out and doing something, right? So yeah, right. I wouldn't have ever Experience. taken the kids out for two days, one night by myself, mm. you know, down to Tongyon and Suncheon and things like that. That's not something I would have done. And then getting paid for it. And then the main thing is we go in the studio and like with so many Korean shows, your film just reacting to the videos, right? That's such an interesting concept. I wonder if... British TV has changed to that. I saw this meme the other day, which was um, you have two studios mm -hmm. and they're just watching each other, <laughs> reacting to each other on this infinite feedback loop. And somebody said, oh, ah, debak really well. And then they went, oh, ah. And just, but that's what they do, isn't it? Yeah. Like the one really wow. popular show is Nahon Jasanda, right? I live oh, alone. Nahon San. The thing there that really gets me is they really are low budget with their studio. It's literally... And I'm not saying this is low budget, but it looks like this, <laughs> right? It's just people sitting in front of these screens that maybe engineers usually look at yeah. on like wheelie chairs and they're not in any particular position or anything. And they're just watching and they're just reacting. And I don't know what it is about Korean TV, but they love that. Like, So in England, I guess Murgon no Nabado would be the video of us doing things. And mm. that would be the show. Yeah. Right? There might be a presenter there to say, to kick it off and then sum it up. But that would be it. But here, mm. that's the content for the reaction of the celebrities. So when we film in the studio, there's like three celebrities and all the dads then yeah. who react to your video and then you explain why you did this and that. They give you a script sometimes as well, don't they? Yeah, they mm. like have questions to hit and stuff. Yeah. Again, this team is really good in that they'll let you be free about the answers, but they'll have questions mm. that they want to ask and then the celebrities will give their take because they were all parents as well and and the other thing i love about this is you know with me and you as well we interact 99 maybe 100 percent of the time in the studio when we're working together and we have a chat mm. in the song break and stuff like that and you know i feel like we get on well and if i was not a parent of two kids busy and you being a professor doing everything we might hang out but we don't because we're just being parents and stuff and that show is amazing because it's all fathers from all different countries, but mm. all foreigners here in Korea, you know, having their own struggles and problems. Who's some of the fathers? You've got Alberto on there? Yeah, Alberto's the other big celebrity. Right. So he's from Italy. And then the rest of them actually are not broadcasters. So that's not the main, it's not okay. meant to be broadcasters. It's just like these, he happens to be a broadcaster. Peter's the English broadcaster. And then we've got someone who works in the Gangnam Global Center. Mm -hmm. uh, there's someone who runs a travel agency from India. The Global Center guy's from Azerbaijan, nice. uh, India. Then we've got a South African who runs his own like sausage making factory in Namwon. 
and then a Chinese guy who does a trading business. You know, that's kind of multicultural. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have cool. like they wanted different countries and continents, and that's the amazing part as well. That we as dads, we、mm. just have a little chinwag, right? We just、mm. talk about child issues and the. Younger kids, fathers—they're asking people like me and Alberto, who have older kids, like, "What do we do in this situation?" Blah blah blah.、And、you just share like parenting tips and parenting hardships. It's it's great to get paid、mm. for that. To be honest, it's like a dream. What was your What was your wife's take on all this with <laughs> kids and and television and and things like this? Because there is a different attitude. I,、mm. As I started appearing in more and more things, not to your level、mm. at all, but <clears throat> certainly. In international media, doing like interviews and things like this, my wife said to me, "Be careful now because you're getting known,、mm. and that was dangerous." There、yeah. is this kind of anonymity is very safe in Korea. <laughs> Everybody has the same、yeah. name, not the same name, but you understand what I mean by that.、Yeah. There's the there's the long padding jacket,、mm -hmm. and <laughs> and if you're called、uh, Kim Joo Hee, yeah, nobody can find you online because、yes. there would be so many of these people, and, and to stand out can be a little bit dangerous. So.、Mm. Perhaps with you, it was. How did your wife go with the kids and and things like that? Did she support it? Did she? Was、yeah. there hesitancy?、Mm. She said, "Bring me the money." She said, "No." <laughs> That's what she said. Okay. Straight up, no. Let's not do this, right?、Yeah. My wife's very much of that mindset. Like maybe your wife was like, "Be careful." She always has said that to me, actually, since I started. Because you know, when we're on air as well, we like to be a bit funny and sometimes a little bit edgy. And I like that, like combination,、yeah. you know, the the wit and being a bit edgy, and yeah, being a bit naughty is British humour, right, as well.、Uh, and even when I was just on Adi Dung, or I say just on Adi Dung, or just on TBS, you know, which let's be honest, have a much lower profile in career, right? Less people listening. Should always say you shouldn't have said that. You know, if people had heard you say that, then、mm. it could be the end of your career, or you、mm. get a big backlash. And she's always worried, right? And I don't know if that's a completely Korean thing, or that's more of a kind of wife's point of view or a mother's point of view. But yeah, with this as well, because it involved our children like front and center, not just a little part of it. Like we've both. Done, my neighbor Charles, where they're、right. in it, but they're not the main thing.、Right. Even that, she was also very reluctant to do.、Um, yeah, she was very worried. You know, looking at the negative sides, the potential pitfalls. And again, I don't know if this is an individual thing or, or more of a Korean mindset, but she was highlighting, you know, all the things that could go wrong, and、mm. definitely things can go wrong, of course.、Yeah. And and maybe I was a little bit too like blasé and carefree, thinking. Only about the potential positives, not just for me, but for them. You know, they love media in terms of not just watching it, but Geo wants to be a YouTuber. I know that's very much tried and tested these days by many kids, but he he's very much into the filming and editing side. He loves that,、nice. right? And so I was like, this will be a good opportunity for him to see what it's really like. You know, maybe being on that side of the camera, but also seeing like、yeah. what it entails. And he's really interested in like. How people put on the mics, these wireless things, and then、mm, he'll go and、great. look at the cameras and stuff like that. And also, yeah, maybe a bit of a more、uh, superficial desire that if they're liked on camera and maybe get a bit of recognition in their school, it might help with their popularity and stuff like、mm -hmm. that. And certainly, it has until this point. Great. And so I just looked at all the positives and I said to my wife, like the way I convinced her. And the other thing is, she hates being on camera, like absolutely despises it.、Mm -hmm. You know, which is. Completely, maybe the opposite to me. I'm totally fine being on camera nowadays after、yeah. doing it for so long. So she was like, 
I don't want to be on it. Luckily, the team are also very flexible like that. They're like, this is about the dad. So if the wives don't mm. want to be on them, then fine, fair enough. Um, and I said, listen, and this is my kind of viewpoint in life. Just try it, right? Just right. try it. And then if it goes wrong, okay, yeah. we just stop then and it, it's not too bad. But, you know, Korean mothers, especially, I do believe this firmly, they're very worried about many things, about many mm -hmm. things that will never happen. Like mm -hmm. My mum is a prime example. She, uh, before I came here today, I went to her house for lunch. You know, she feeds me directly because she doesn't believe I will feed myself. She thinks I'll starve if I don't. And she's like, are you wearing a vest? And I was like, yes, I'm wearing a vest. <laughs> she put her hand up my jumper and had to feel the vest because she didn't believe me. It was just like, okay, you can go out there. She what did she feed you? What, did she, what didn't she feed me today? <laughs> like, we had John, we had mashed potatoes, salmon, chicken drumsticks, uh, some potatoes with drumsticks. It sounds like paprika. you're 14 or something. Like, uh, it, going, yes. going, like a Korean mum in the UK as we're <clears> growing <throat> up. That was really interesting. And I'm glad my mum has her personality. You know, like you've seen on YouTube and yeah. maybe some people that can go and look it up. If you look at my YouTube channel, like Peter Bint, she's very outgoing and yes. she's very bubbly and her English is still far from perfect despite living there for 30 years. That's another aspect to language which is interesting. That's feel, part of the personality, I think, yeah. isn't it? Though? And I think you can push through. Like if your grammar is not great, it doesn't matter as long as you're very positive and bubbly about it and you're happy to make mistakes and that's her. And so, yeah, when I was little and my friends would come over, she'd just constantly be wanting to feed them and they'd be like, why is your mom so obsessed with mm -hmm. feeding us? That was a very Korean mum kind of thing. Again, because they're worried about their kids' nutrition and stuff like that. And 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 back to yeah, the TV show and stuff. I feel like that's the thing. The Korean mum kicking in is the protectiveness. Like, yeah. don't let anything negative happen to our kids through this. You know. And yeah, I guess there needs to be a balance. And maybe it's good that she, she came with those, and I came with with this side of the bargain. I th I think it's good and it's great that you get to spend time with your kids. Mm. And if you know, yeah. because you have these experiences that you can't really buy mm. or pay for. You know, spending time yeah. with the kids and especially for them, Geo being able to see how things are made yeah. and giving them all of these insights. That's wonderful. It's that worry. Uh, our daughter, Elizabeth, she won some competition, uh -huh. like, you know, a high performer in a little okay. thing. And nice. so they make this banner outside the apartment. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. And yeah. they're going to put the kids faces on like uh, two or three of the kids. Okay. And, and, and Hyun Jung phoned me up, my wife. She's like, are we allowed to do it? What if something bad happens? Oh. I'm like, what bad? Nobody's going to make a deep fake. Right? This, is, this is in Gangwon-do, in, in the countryside. Yeah. But there is that fear. Yeah. You know, if if you're out there, if you're known or if you're public. And I guess we've seen, this is, you know, on a different level, but we've seen Yongguk Namja, not you, mm. but the Yongguk Namja. He yeah. got kind of cancelled yeah. for a while. And yeah. Sam Ochuri, who we've mm. spoken about on a got cancelled you sure. just don't know how these narratives can play and once that beast yeah of public opinion starts blowing one way or yeah. the other it doesn't even matter if you're right or wrong it's just like bam yeah. there it is you were saying the because i i can't remember where i saw it but some of your recent contents has gone like over a million views <laughs> or something but yeah you, you've got in trouble recently <laughs> you were a bit worried about something that you've said what i'm just trying to get at yeah. here is how are you surviving through that possibility of negative criticisms mm. knowing as you go further and further up what yeah. you're doing and is great and i absolutely support that the possible pitfalls that come along with that yeah it's an interesting <laughs> lesson that i'm learning you know as i go because 
yeah, maybe I was a bit dismissive of my wife always saying, be careful, be careful. I was like, that's the over-worrying mum checking if I'm wearing my vest kind of point of view. <laughs> the figurative uh, hand you, up the yes, back. Yes, yeah. you, you don't need to do that, right? Yeah. You're worrying about something that will never happen. Uh, and to be honest, maybe I have said things in the past when no one was listening, you know, that could have had a backlash, mm. but it was fine because there weren't enough people listening. Mm. And this maybe has been recently a, a good lesson because I kind of saw firsthand, oh, wow, okay. And and, and so, so I'll, I'll lay out, I don't mind talking about it again because mm. it's out there. Like I, I said many things about football recently, and I'm very passionate when I speak about football, yeah. just like we're wearing our Christmas sweaters. Yes. You know, we're like in British bloke mode or Londoner mode. and I like our football <laughs> chats during the break sometimes on the Monday morning. They're you, real. You put me to shame, though, with how passionate you are and how much you watch and stuff like that. Um, but still, I, I love Arsenal. You know, I, I, I think I've realised recently, I'm not really maybe a football fan. I'm just an Arsenal fan. Like, that's my thing. Did we lose to France because we took Saka off too early? <laughs> I think so. Lots of experts have said that. And I don't know, when I saw it at the time, I wasn't too critical. I was like, okay, fresh legs, whatever. Sense, but... but looking back, in hindsight, he was causing them all sorts of yeah, problems. Wasn't wasn't um, but so anyway, what did you say? So, yeah, I was, I was actually championing. Uh, we were in this uh, little football chat before the World Cup. Who's going to be the Ballon d'Or of the World Cup? Like, mm. who's going to be the player of the tournament and the top goal scorer and everyone said their picks? Everyone said picks that were kind of... Uh, more from an area of expertise and not biased to their country. And I said Harry Kane. And everyone was like, it's just because you're British, you're English, that you're saying Harry Kane. And I was like, no, 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 I'm an Arsenal fan, you know. Mm. I put my Arsenal hat and I was like, I hope he gets the top goal scorer award, scores in the final, and then gets injured. You know, that's what I really think about Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone was like, actually, at the time, it just it was laughed off and stuff, but the way they edited I it, agree with you, by the way. Yeah. I would, from a Liverpool perspective, yes. I would also want that. Yeah, as a rival fan. Yeah. You're not thinking, I want <clears throat> Harry Kane to, like, be hurt and suffer you're just thinking i don't want him to play you know for his club that's where it's coming from but i can see and now when i watched it back i can see you know in korean saying oh, saying i wish injury you know on that player it it can be interpreted if you're not a football fan and you don't know that background you know mm. you're thinking you're wishing someone got hurt like mm. and from lots of people online they're like you can't do that and then i got a lot of DMs saying that's terrible you're crossing the line blah 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 and that was like a kind that's the first time I think I've got that kind of backlash wow. right was I'm it so, a big backlash did you did you get scared <laughs> did you question yourself was it like <clears throat> I'm, I'm quite good at just not thinking about mistakes I make right I'm not the type of person that goes home after a dinner party and says like why did you do this you know I've, I've had those friends in the past uh, and people closer and, and I've always thought why are you putting yourself through that? Mm. Like, what's the point of that? What are you going to gain from doing that? And so with this, I tried to brush it under the carpet as much as I could, like I usually do. But it did get to me. There were a couple of times I was laying in bed at night thinking, oh, no, what have I done? Like, And the, the bad thing is, and this isn't as well known, it's like I tried to kind of argue my point with a couple of people who commented. I was like, listen, I'm coming from a yeah. British football fan's point of view. That's why I was on the show. You know, a lot of fans would say this. And I just got into, and I've never got into, well, I haven't got into these for the longest time. I did so on Twitter maybe like eight years ago, and that's why I stopped like Twittering, because mm. I was like, 
this is stressful arguing yeah. with people who aren't going to change their minds. You're not changing your mind. So I kind of went back and forth a couple of times with a few people. What platform was it on? Was it on, on Naver? YouTube. Or or on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. <clears throat> and so I was like, oh my God, I've forgotten how like negative this cycle is. You know, mm. you just get more criticism than you try to justify. And again, I know I, w I shouldn't have maybe said that as my role as a broadcaster in career. I, I kind of admit that that was maybe crossing the line. Or I should have like packaged it by saying, you know, of course I don't want him to be hurt, but I just don't want him to play, you know. Mm. Um, so I made the mistake, but then I got caught up in my getting more entrenched in my position and like more critical of yeah. everyone else. I was like, this is terribly unhealthy. And then it's not on my YouTube channel. So the people who run the channel, they're like, this has become a huge issue, which is good in terms of the numbers. <laughs> so they were kind of happy, but they were like, oh, dear. don't respond to this because this is just going to get worse if you do. Mm. And they were like, we're going to apologize for the editing of this kind of thing. So they just took it out of my hands and I just deleted the comments. I was like, oh no, this is bad. Like, mm. And I thought that could be worse. Like your response to making a mistake. I think so, yeah. Yeah, like you should... And I have heard this before, and I thought, that sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but you should just hold your hands up. Just say, I'm sorry. And then it kind of goes away. Like, if people just think you're not trying to defend that position mm -hmm. in some kind of sly way or sneaky way to get out of it, if you just take responsibility, even if you think you're right, it can go away. And maybe that's wrong. Yeah, is it something <laughs> worth apologizing for? I mean, because mm. <clears throat> that, that seems to me like garden fair language, mm. you know, <laughs> and... I would be quite, I, I think that would be said on the BBC. And I, I think, I don't even think Harry Kane would be offended by that coming from a man in an Arsenal <laughs> shirt. But you're right, there is certain responsibilities. Mm. And when you're dealing with media and, and you feel that amount of yeah. backlash going towards you, it must certainly be something. This is a different take on the matter. Yeah. But in general, for social media, I can't remember where I heard it, but it stuck with me. Always let the asshole have the last word. Mm. And I, I think that's a beautiful mm. thing yeah. because you want to try to push back and you want to try to say something and, and you might be going into it with, you know, good intentions or trying to, but always just letting people have the last word is beautiful for social media behavior and <laughs> mental health and yes. things like that. It's just like, yeah. Right, right. For, for mental health in particular, like I could feel myself getting into this mindset that I hadn't been in for years and years, like literally hadn't. Mm been in that kind of negative cycle of things like the last time that I used to do that it was with a fellow Brit in broadcasting who has some quite outspoken views so I'm guessing you know him as well um especially on Twitter uh, oh, yes. <laughs> and I used to get involved in that and be like you can't say this you know and I try and explain away mm. it just get worse and worse mm. and I keep fighting you know and at those points, you're checking your phone, you're waiting for that response, and you're waiting to type again and again. And it's just such a waste of time. And you're right. You just let them say what they want to say and mm. just take a step back. And, mm. and that's the definitely the highway kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's one way. Do, do you worry about it? Because you started off by talking about what's his name Robert Holly yes <laughs> that was a that was a certain fall from grace was I'm not sure if it was a fall I don't know the full story mm. but I just know huge big foreign celebrity on television <laughs> drugs and yes and, and all of this stuff going on um we've also seen other celebrities that we've mentioned do you worry about this it like the slippery slope or or flip side Pete mm. Where does it go next? How high can you go? Are you are we going to see you in a Netflix drama? Are we going to see you in a movie? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to look forward from this. Yeah. Like, it, 
Me, me and my wife, we've got similar MBTIs, right? I don't know how much you buy into those. I did my first one about two days ago. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, you did say you were kind of not doing it. You didn't do it for the longest Because time. I was asked to do it for my university yes. classes, okay. and they're <laughs> so into it. But uh-huh. I did it on Sunday for the oh, first time. interesting. Do, do, do you mind sharing what you were? I think it, it, it's on my phone, which is doing uh-huh. this. I think it's <laughs> INFP, and I'm a campaigner. Campaigner. Oh. But maybe it's EN. I'm an extra... Extrovert? Extrovert ENFP. Yeah, you, you seem, yeah, like you'd be extrovert. 5248. Okay, very close. Um, me and my wife, we're, uh, well, I'm entertainer, and she's just one letter different. The first letter, that's, I think, ESFP, my one. Your ESFP. I, I believe so. Um, I always just remember the title, so that could be wrong. And she's like, I, at the beginning. But what that means for both of us is, like, we don't do much forward planning, right? <laughs> And that is so true. Like when I did the MBTI, I don't know how much I agree with everything, although I am working in entertainment as, I guess, quote unquote, an entertainer. So that might be useful. But we both realized that we both didn't do planning. We're like, oh, my God, that's why like, we never plan a holiday. We don't really know what we're doing with our mm-hmm. kids in the future and stuff. Uh, um, but we're usually quite happy. You know, that that's kind of the way it is. But, yeah, with the career question, it's something that I've been thinking about recently is like I've always been aiming towards this, like I said, for the longest time, being on these mainstream programs and yeah. stuff. And now I'm on them. And you did it. Well done. Yeah. It's amazing. And and so but like with many things, when you're aiming for it and you're on that journey, you know, you know what you're doing. You've got that goal in mind. And then it happens. And yeah, that's very satisfying. But then it's like, oh. Now what? You know, and that really is a thing, right? That really is Mm -hmm. a a phenomenon with so much, right? Having that goal in mind, reaching it can be a bit deflating and a bit confusing. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm not sure what happens now because I was always wanting to stay in career because I felt I'd feel regret if I didn't achieve that and left and went back to the UK. And so now that this has happened and and I am thinking I would love it to get more and more uh, like improve even more and maybe on even more shows and stuff like that. But realistically speaking, that might not happen. And I wouldn't feel like a failure as well. I feel like I've, I've done some good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of at this crossroads where I'm thinking, yeah, what do I want to do next? What is mm. the next step? So like being completely frank and open and maybe TMI and maybe not actual useful information, like I'm thinking – is the next step I need to sign with like a, a big entertainment agency who will then go out and try and find you this, that and everything. And that's a real debate I'm having in the moment. Like talk to my wife about it as well. Like, do I want to be caught up in that kind of thing? Cause mm. then it's very much a kind of entertainer schedule of getting driven around from A to B and doing this show and then that show. And then. Do I want to live that life? You I know? think you'd quite like it though, wouldn't you? But the family thing yeah, is that's pulling the you problem. the other way, right? Because I want to have control to say, Actually, today, I just want to pick up my son from school, so I'm not going to do that movie or something like that. I don't think the agency would be so mm. pleased about that. And I, I would feel bad for offending them or not doing what they want to do. So I'm really kind of stuck in two minds. With the kind of fall from grace thing, I don't worry about like a Robert Holly kind of situation, you know, where you get caught out doing something bad. Because hopefully I live a decent, like, in terms of not doing those kind of things, like DUIs or stuff like that, that mm. can affect your career. But the other side of things, like, Sam Ultrady, after doing this football thing, I've realized, you know, just saying something uh, 
and I'm sure Sam's case is different because I'm sure he thought about it. And, you know, from what I saw, he was quite careful and considered with what he said. It wasn't yeah. too controversial, unlike my mistake. But it's kind of a similar thing where you say something and for what you say, you get taken down for that. Be it, you know, objectively offensive or, or completely benign. Mm. And and after doing that, I kind of try to be more conscious of what I'm saying. But when I've done that, I've realized it kind of takes a little edge off of you, like makes you a little less entertaining as mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. you're not quite yourself. I don't like that. Yeah. So I'm thinking, no, I want to be myself kind of thing. And then if that does occur, well, that, that happens. Because I don't want to like hold back and always be second guessing what people are going to react to me or how they're going to react to me. Yeah. It, it, on a completely different level, but I, I never do things where I have to say a certain thing mm. or, or pull a certain line. Mm. And sometimes <clears throat> you might see comments about the things that I, I do on NK News or something like that. Oh, this is CIA funded or something <laughs> like that. But in any of my work, I would never do it if it was like, by the way, you have to mm. include this or say this or put this. I'd yeah. just be like, nah, I don't want to do that ever. Yeah. I never want to get to that stage mm. where, because I think it's like if you take away my demons you also take away my angels yeah. you know I, I i want all of it to be there it's all part of me and i, yeah. I want to be a good person i don't want to just do shock factor or controversy yeah but i, I still want to be me mm. and i still want to be able to explore things and there's this danger i think of mm. living a curated life that you lose a little bit of yourself sure i think you're amazing at doing that like even on our show it's been brilliant the topics you've brought in you know pushing the boundaries of what we've talked about probably on adidung radio let alone just daily gay and we love that and that we've got great producers totally open to that as well there are some who would be a bit more conservative i, I will... love our new pd by yeah, the way <laughs> he's fantastic yeah yeah um but I, I would have to say you're way out in front in terms of that. Like, I would love to be like that as well. But there are things I do on certain networks and stuff where mm. there's a much smaller kind of boundary in terms of what you can do and what yeah. you can say. And, and, you know, there are certain aspects of things that I do which are scripted. And I've never... I don't know if I should be proud of... No, I definitely shouldn't be proud of this, but I don't know if I'm ashamed of this. Mm. Like, I'm totally cool with you can play this role today, Peter, do this. Yeah. I'll do it. And I, and I kind of, in that way, not that you do take yourself too seriously, but I don't take myself too seriously in that I'll do anything. Like, I'll do anything as long as I, I don't mind it. Like, I won't do anything I hate, mm. but I don't mind. Like, you've seen me dressed up as a woman or something but like that. But you do it so well. I, I, don't, I just don't care. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing either. But, yeah, no. I'm, I'm cool to, like, do everything. Like, be a bit critical and a bit more deep thinking on a corner with you. I love doing that. But, yeah, I don't mind at all playing a female character in a little role play. Singing and stuff songs. Like that. And yeah. All your photos are well posed. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I don't mind all yeah. of it. And, and I'm happy. And that's out there. And. I, I don't know. I guess if you're kind of happy and upfront about it, then people watching and looking, there aren't too many people who are like, oh, what are you doing kind of thing. It's all just like, oh, that, that's Pete doing it and stuff mm. like that. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, if if you're okay with me doing that, then that's okay. Like, you know, you, you could perhaps be more like, oh, that guy shouldn't be doing that or something like that. But, but you're 
your reaction to that as well today has, has been kind of reassuring. <laughs> Not that you're like, go do that every day, every no. week, dress up as a woman or anything. Yeah. Um, I'm just being honest with you. Yes. I, like, I, like to, I like to be honest sometimes because yeah. there's a lot of just thumbs up and congratulations and sure. that's great these days and there's not enough like yes. sometimes oh, you <laughs> I, I like a bit of that sometimes mm. but I, I think it keeps us honest and once you get that out of the way yeah then you can kind of sure. you, you want to be able to yeah. uh, to do that and I think in interacting with you and other people you just realize we, we talked about all the pressures and uh, and the falls from graces that at the end of the day people might look from outside but it's all just people mm. and it's all just people trying to do something and everyone's different has different personalities and family things going on and sure. marriage situations and economic situations it all plays a role in it um like congratulations on on what you've done i i think <clears throat> i've stood up for you on this actually online i told you <laughs> that i think you do a good job representing like dads in career and things like that and that's what the show's doing is it just before we move on from that mm. is is the show so you got in trouble for your football comments <laughs> how's that show going across like are you getting positive feedback is there going to be a season mm. two like do you have any sense of it or well it's still going on like there's no end to the season just yet that's oh so it's unlimited like, it, it's yeah. ongoing at the moment but we you know lost out a couple of time slots to the world cup and then our edition on Halloween was cancelled, obviously, because of the ET1 disaster, never to be shown, you know, so that was a bit of a dent to the programme because it was a really good, like, episode oh, and stuff. But in Korea, you know, that's not right. possible to do. And then in December this month, we've got, like, three shows again delayed because of a pilot season. And all those kind of point to it's not indispensable, you know. We mm -hmm. haven't got to the point where it's it's good enough to, like keep its time slot like hold its ground uh what is the time slot sorry like right. it's a sunday at 10 past nine so it's quite a that's, decent slot that's on true mal yeah bc you know and a lot a lot of parents like like it but <laughs> if you're not a parent it can be a bit like why am i watching these foreign dads with their kids because then like i said most of the dads are not entertainers they're just regular people you mm. know and again, even with the entertainers like Alberto and, and a broadcaster and myself, they're not trying to show that side. They're just trying to show the parenting side. Um, but it seems like from the target audience of parents, there's a good response. Nice. Like, and, and like personally, I've heard only good things from people, from especially Korean parents, not from foreign dads. I really am curious about <laughs> their take. But if they're anything like me, when I used to see foreigners on TV, I'd always think, oh, I'd do a better job than that. So yeah. I can understand that yeah, point that's... of view, for sure, for sure. Um, and I don't blame them for that. But yeah, hopefully it continues on because, like I said, I just love spending time with the kids. And the other thing about that, which is an extra, extra bonus, you have it all on camera, edited perfectly. Yes. These memories yes. forever. Yes. It's yes. like, wow. It's the best photo album. Yeah. It's like free. It's yeah. like UMBC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. So I hope it long continues. <laughs> yeah, me too. And uh, that experience, that like recording it, having it mm. down, it, it's just a great photo album. Yeah. And I, I guess for your mum as well mm, and other relatives, they'll it, be yeah. able to watch it. Yeah. Uh, certainly that's, <laughs> you know, that that's a good thing, I think, also for family. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I've got me uh, singing my wife a birthday song that Aww. I've written for her on acoustic guitar on video. I've, I've got that as a file and I, I haven't watched it yet, but I know in about 10, 15 years, it's yeah. going to be great to have that polished, yes. you know, that footage, if not the musical performance. <laughs> um, and one thing that 
you've probably noticed about the entertainment industry here as little as little as I've seen is that it can change so very quickly. Mm. Like people come and go. You saw what happened to Alex Jensen and things mm. like this. It's seasons changing. It's by yeah. the way, next season you're not in it. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that that really struck me when like it first a couple happened. Of days before even, yeah, yeah, really struck me when it first happened. And now I think I'm lucky in that when I do those things, it's not my main mm. job or source. I don't rely on yeah. it. It doesn't fuel my personality or ego mm. i get that from other things i yeah. do it because i like it mm -hmm. but i can imagine that'd be quite stressful just how volatile yes. and, uh, that is sometimes yeah for me again I, I don't know if this is my personality or this is luck or this is just the way the business has been to me or life in general has been to me but my kind of positive outlook on that i always love we call it kepyum right that reshuffle mm. twice a year in mm. the autumn and in the, in the springtime usually uh, and, you know, for the longest time, I was just working on EBS, Adirang and TBS EFM, those three. And I was always waiting to get at least one host position kind of thing. And if I got that, I was looking to hold on to it. I would always be so excited around Kepion season mm -hmm. just to see what happens. <laughs> you know, it's if like it's a transfer a, window. Yeah, yeah it was like that. Yeah. You know, you get a call from a producer. We'd be on this show or a writer. We'd mm. be on this show. You might have the call from your producer saying, yeah, it's not worked out. Mm. We'll see you next time kind of thing. But for me, maybe because I didn't always keep the shows or always expand. You know, there were times I lost shows, but it was never too bad that I was just like, this is always fun to see mm. the new thing that I'm going to do next. But yeah, again, like maybe that's waiting down the road, that one kepion, which is terrible and you lose most things or it's towards the end of your career and you're like, all right, I can no longer do this as a job then I might have a different point of view. But again, I'm just riding it till then and I love it till mm. then, you yeah. know, and seeing all these new opportunities, new horizons. Um, but yeah, if you're like the head of a family, I'm sure my MBTI is helping in this. Just ignore that big worry because mm -hmm. it could come at any time, like you said. And that's the real downside to this industry. But for me, it's just all these opportunities, these new things springing up. I, I love it. <laughs> say yes, yes, yeah. say yes, and, and apply for things above your pay grade and, and do all that. Let your yes. wife do the worrying. Yes. She, she's doing enough for a she couple, I think. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she does. Um, I, I, I don't know if you saw, I recently went into the metaverse and became a digital oh, asset. I did see you something You did see that. We'll yeah. get you in there. They're, they're doing some very interesting things. Oh, some very wow. big people. I'll, I'll see if they'll... Wow, what metaverse was that? Because there are lots of companies doing lots of metaverses. Yeah, this is the one doing it with the Israel embassy. Oh. And this is down in Socho. Okay. They're, they're pretty big. I think they're putting Park Seri in there oh, in the nice. next day or two. So so are you in there now? Yeah. As in you're in there forever? They're, they're, creating my, they're, they're creating my digital twin at the moment. Wow. Do you know when they uh, they said to me, like, you can be anything that you want? So <laughs> I, said, I don't even get in trouble for this. But I said, <laughs> I want to be a transgender archaeologist. <laughs> because I'm never going to be that. Yeah. And I was just like, I want to be something so goddamn weird <laughs> yes. and I don't think I'd ever seen the words transgender archaeologist before and so I was I, I think because that morning someone was telling me about a new Indiana Jones okay. movie that sparked it, it, in your it's mind. probably sparked in my mind so there's something there Will did you really then get that is that your character in I, the metaverse that's what I've said I, whether they'll go with it interesting I, but that's so it's not you or it is your name I, I'm not quite sure how it all works okay. do you know what I mean it's, it, it's a bit weird for me okay. and it's uh but it, it, it's so real in Korea. Mm. I'm not sure it's that real mm. in other parts of the world. Yeah. 
but here they're going full steam ahead with all that. Yeah. And across the Hallyu Industries. Sure. And, and Soul things. City as well have set up theirs and they won awards for it, I think, abroad. Yeah, there's a Jongak like one, the Bell and the yeah. Dokdo, and it, it, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently somebody's making one of Pyongyang. Oh. You can walk around Pyongyang and things like that. Someone it's, from North Korea is doing it? I don't think oh. it's North Korea. I think people outside, they've used Google... I, I nearly said Google drones or something like that. But do you know what I mean? They're yeah, using the images People and stuff. know. Okay. People go and live there. Wow. So th maybe we'll see you in the metaverse. <laughs> I don't know. Anidong has their own one, like the news side of things. And they've got newscasters and things, uh, people in there. And they've got some hosts who do a live metaverse. So they're, they're actually playing themselves, you know, like almost like a computer game. I'm really interested, but I've got to say I know nothing about it. I do have one of those the Oculus headsets. Okay. I don't know if you've got into that. Amazing. No, I've tried it like down in the IFC malls okay. and played this game with guns yeah. and the reader. Oh, it's amazing. It, it, and then that, they're completely like separate units. You don't need to set up any sensors you or anything. Put it on. Put it on, put your controllers in. There's some, I'm addicted to like table tennis and this beat dance game. And that is, you know, owned by Facebook. So they've turned it into meta now. Okay. But the metaverse option is still optional so i just don't go near it because i don't know what I, I don't know if it, it must be what the youngsters are looking forward to but like many people of our gender are just dreading like yeah. what is that what, how are we going to do that I, I i think a lot of youngsters will be looking forward to porn <laughs> <laughs> oculus rift porn I, i've heard about it like it's, yes it's my, meant to be... my friend said it's mind-blowing yeah, yeah it's meant to be quite something <laughs> maybe not mind-blowing but <laughs> I read this idea that um, we believe, and this is a tangent, we'll get back onto uh -huh. it, that we believe we're going into the metaverse and that's the idea. You've seen the Mark Zuckerberg and mm. all, all that terrible goddamn graphics. Yes. It's so shit. <laughs> but instead of us going into the metaverse, that's like the bait and switch. Mm. That's not actually happening. What mm. the metaverse will be is the internet coming into us. Mm. So when you walk into a room and you're like, hey, Google, and take the photo and turn on the heating. And yeah. It's not us going into a different world, but this physical world here, it's the internet coming into mm. that and connecting all the shit. Oh, wow. That's, so that's that might so... be how it happens. But... Okay, yeah, then it's like we can't really avoid it at all. Be careful what you say, you know, because you say something and then you check your advertisements on Insta and they're, yeah. and they're going for yeah, that. They, yeah. they, they pick it all up. Um. I, I, I think to bring this round towards the final straight here, uh -huh. Pete, have we missed anything from the entertainment industry or anything like that? Is there any other, <laughs> like, tea you want to spill or hot takes? Or... I, I don't know. The, the, like, interesting thing that I've found, you know, I work with now sometimes some real A-list celebrities, you know, yeah. with, like, Chang Yunjong, who's one of the most famous trot singers here, and Qian from Super Junior. I see him regularly. And... I don't know, I kind of, you know, when I was watching Korean TV and thinking one day I'll be on there, mm. oh, that'll be amazing, you know, and those people, I wonder what that'll be like to meet them and work with them and stuff. And I was also assuming that a lot of them would be maybe arrogant or, you know, at least a bit standoffish with their status and stuff. But the two things that I really take home from that is they're all really nice like everyone seems nice like to get far it seems because mm. everyone in a sense is a freelancer in that kind of position they just have to get on with people you know you can't ruffle yeah. i'm sure there are like we've heard of like hollywood horror cases of celebrities throwing out their toys and whatnot but i haven't come across that and i've been really pleasantly surprised with that side and then the other side is yeah they're just normal normal people and that's why i always thought like could I become that? I'm not that. 
but we all are. Yeah. And it's just a matter of whether you're on TV or whether you're just living your life, you know, whether there's a camera pointed at you or not. Like anyone could be there. I really feel that way. Like, especially these days with like reality TV and career being so popular mm. and that actually happening, like regular people just becoming famous uh, and not having a different kind of skill set. And that, that's that been, I don't know, that's been kind of reassuring in the sense that everyone's just normal and everyone could be doing this. Mm. And then it makes me feel really lucky as well. I'm like, I used to kind of have that sense that, yeah, I could do that. I could do better than that on TV. But now I feel like, wait, many people could do this, what I'm mm -hmm. doing right now. So I should just really appreciate the fact that I'm sitting here getting paid to do this kind of thing, yeah. So appreciate it. <laughs> it's great that you've had positive experiences. Yes. And it's been the same for me. They're, they're just normal people, but mm. genuinely warm half yeah, the time. And yeah. Maybe that's the nature of the industry, that mm. you have to be on yes. a lot, you know yeah, what I mean, performing. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's cool that you're... Mm. You're going through it so positively. <laughs> what I love about you, I just must say this, is that absence of cynicism. You know, it might be there sometimes with football and things yeah. like that, but in general, it's just like, come on, let's, yes. let's do it. Let's yeah. go. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to do it all. <laughs> so we we both have young children mm. here. Um, in, you, you mentioned it before, but there's no chavs here. Mm. There, there yeah. might be some equivalent, yes. but there's, there's not a big drug culture there's mm. not a big gun culture there's not a big street violence or mm. delinquency i don't go into classrooms uh, university classrooms and see students stoned or things like that <laughs> yeah. it, it, but this is a good yeah. thing i think yeah. for education i feel kind of lucky in that D is this the country this is a difficult personal <laughs> question is this the country to raise Tio and Ellie, is is this your is this your forever home <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm totally open with this like the thing I dislike most about career is the education system. Yeah. Sunung, Hagwans, after school academies. How many Hagwans? Any idea? Yeah, so I say that when she was going to so many Hagwans, right? He's going to, uh, he goes to the British Council because okay. I want him to feel British somehow, <laughs> some way. So I will pay money to do that. Comes back and goes, hello, you wanker. <laughs> yeah, he, I wish he would. I wish he would. I would I would pat him on the back for it. Um, and so it, both Gio and Ellie go there. Then Gio's also got his math, maths hug one, uh, because his math now, I cannot help him with. And he's in fourth grade, right? And mm. I was good at math in mm. school, especially primary school. I was acing it way above that it's the level. Korean part of you yeah 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 i think it was <laughs> I joke. uh it must have been <laughs> with all the other chinese co-students seriously it's weird because they must a lot of them were maybe born in china but came to the uk at a young age but and i don't think their parents actively taught them math but there was something i don't know what it is i, I don't want to speculate but right. um uh, yeah, he goes to math and then he does um, at school a coding after school thing. Like, But Pangwahu, the after school thing, I'm cool with that. That's kind of just like after school yeah. club and it's very relaxed and stuff. Coding, though, that's mental, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, nice. so many kids these days. And he loves that because it's actually making games. That's what mm -hmm. he's doing on there. Uh, and then he's got this nonsu class, which is like reading a book and then writing a report. That's not a hug one. The teacher like comes and he does it with some friends. So he only does that because his friends are there kind of thing. And that's one important aspect, I feel. A lot of going to hug one, the kids don't necessarily hate it. Mm. They might actually enjoy it because they're spending time with their peers, right? right? And so it's not a case completely of mums just pushing their kids and kids go, no, no, no. Like A lot of the time they're like, yeah, I'll go because he's going. And mm -hmm. Then they're like, oh, shoot, I have to study. Um, 
Uh, and there, there must be one or other. He learns basketball on the weekend and things like this. But we are one of the families who sends our kids the least. You know, that's what my wife emphasizes to me anyway. When I'm like, stop it, you know, she's like, we're doing it the least. This is the bare minimum. And the teachers there, they do seem to have a certain amount of pressure and expectation for you to be learning this before you come. Right. Or if she's taught it once, that's enough. And if you don't understand it, you need to sort this out, parents. You mm -hmm. know, and so you will speak to the teachers when your kids get like less than eighty percent. Eighty percent is brilliant in the UK, right? Seventy, sixty percent is fine. Yeah, fifty percent you probably wouldn't even get a phone call for that. But here you get called like when they're underperforming, mm -hmm. under the level of like eighty, seventy percent. And you know, my wife does all the speaking with the teachers, and I try to tell her. Can you not say to her, this is your job to get my son up to the required level. Yeah. Why are you calling us? You know, that would be like a British parenting kind of point of mm. view. It's like, unless he's misbehaving in, in class repeatedly, the academic side is your job. Mm. And and I have been a bit present, pleasantly surprised, but it seems to be totally depending on who the teacher is, not the school system in Korea. Some teachers take an extra interest in those students and will do their own after school classes so mm -hmm. geo i'm not ashamed to say and i hope he's not ashamed for me to say he was one of like the the lower performing math students like maybe there were three or four of them and they got kept for six months after school maybe two or time, three times a week mm -hmm. and they got intensively trained nice but then other teachers will be like do that in a hug one you yeah. go and pay to do that everyone's doing that you you need to do that kind of thing and so back to the question of raising them here forever that side of things i really don't want them to go through that sunung and i've not had anyone with a positive experience no. of sunung i've heard some neutral ones some people say it wasn't terrible you know mm. it, was, it wasn't as bad as people say but no one's really positive about that period my wife is positively you know uh, horrified by what she had to do in terms of the study schedule, going to hug ones till after midnight and mm -hmm. things like this that you couldn't imagine as a British parent, right? And so that's the point that we're at in terms of our kids. We're, we're thinking, what do we do here? Because I love working here. So going mm. back to the UK, and I think family means being together, right? Yep. I can't imagine not seeing my kids for like six months and doing that again and again and again, right? right? I don't want to do that. Um, so we're really at that kind of crossroads thinking, can we maybe send them to international school here? I'm also of the thinking of just don't send him to the hug ones he doesn't want to go to. Don't make him study anything he doesn't want to. It's up to him. You know, mm -hmm. like he'll find a way. She'll find a way. But a lot of Korean mums, their point of view is, you know, again, worrying. What if when he's 20 or 25, he comes back and says, that's your job as a parent. I was 10. I didn't know if I should go to hug one or not. Yeah, and um, my wife's got a point there, but I'm also like, well, what if he comes back and says, why did you send me to all those hug ones when I said I didn't want to go? Mm -hmm. uh, and and so, yeah, I can't 100% say this is where we're going to stay forever. Mm. And I can't say career is all good. You know, that is one really huge thing for parents here. I, I wonder how you feel about it and what your kind of planning is for your kids because i want them to feel british and korean mm -hmm. and i feel like if i keep going this way they'll be token brits like they will also say sometimes when it suits them oh i'm british as well mm -hmm. uh, and they want to be on tv <laughs> yes but i want them to really feel it you know? yeah, 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 yeah yeah and and just like i did so maybe the solution is sending them every year for a big chunk of time 
go and see their relatives and friends. I, I, I don't know. Financial considerations and mm. everything comes into it, doesn't it? Because yes. international school would be nice, but the, the costs yes. involved in international <laughs> schools are... And even just Sunung, one of the, the last guests I had on here, Soyeon, who I know very mm. well, young, smart 24-year-old woman, she did Sunung three times. Mm -hmm. It's not even just about doing it once. Wow. It's about, you know, again and again and again. So yeah. that that education, I, I hope that Korea always changes. Mm. Korea definitely does. Some things, yeah. you know, change a little bit slower than others. Uh -huh. But I'm I'm a bit like you. I'm mukewek. I'm no plans. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm hoping that as Korea goes forward in the next 10 years or mm. so, that there might be reform and change and things that move and and they adopt things we're seeing the international age changing we're seeing the jonsei system changing all of these things that seem so inherently firmly stuck in uh so let's let's hope for our children's sake yeah um pete what advice so we've been talking about young people what advice so you're 39 now yes yes that, that was part of my research i also i also saw that uh, 1983, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what advice do you have for young people? So for, for 20 year olds today, they're growing up in 2022, or if mm. there was a young Pete Bint <laughs> growing up, did you have a nickname at school? Bent Bint. Went to a boys school, <laughs> yes. so it's Bent Bint. That would exactly be it. And I then can... people who were more familiar with lingo from up north as well uh, knew that Bint was like silly old bin kind of thing. Derogatory term yeah. for woman, which but is also be, Arabic as well, isn't I've it? I've heard it maybe yeah. comes from princess in Arabic yeah, and Egyptian I think and stuff so, yeah. like that. No. I'm not Arabic. Like I looked at the history because I thought, <laughs> look, I look Arabic, so maybe that's it. But no, I looked at the ancestry. It doesn't seem to be that way. Yeah, but boys called Ben Bin. <laughs> All the time. Um, uh, oh, man, I would, I'm so glad I grew up when I grew up. You know, mm. I wonder if all generations think that, though. If all generations feel, that was a good time to grow up. Of course, maybe if you're in some war-torn thing, it would not be the case. But in most times of peace, do you just look back because those are the golden years kind of thing? I think a lot of young people don't feel like that these mm. days. I think this, this we have a generation now here, and I'm speaking specifically of Korea, where they feel they're going to be the first generation that don't go beyond their parents, that mm. they don't achieve more, they don't get the job. And yeah. So I'm not sure that that is the case, but yeah, go on. Wow. Can I just look at a message? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife never calls me, but I think she's just wondering if I'm picking up some of it. Is that okay to just quickly edit this out? No, I'll just leave it in. Oh, <laughs> <I think laughs> there's know. lots of bloody Indeed. snow outside. Oh, oh, really? Oh, no, 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 that's not it. We've got the jumpers on for it. Um, sorry. So, uh, yeah, the, in Korea, feeling like that. But I, I wonder, yeah, if the UK, if Britain's the same. I'm, get, I'm guessing the youth oh. is not so negative, right, maybe about their chances. Maybe they are. Because... A bit more blasé, I think. <laughs> bit, bit, yeah. But giving advice, like, I, I would dread to grow up in this day and age. <laughs> Just, I look at my kids and everything is kind of new and lots of things were new when we were growing up right the internet was internet coming was into things and mobile phones and stuff yeah but i didn't have this kind of fear maybe again it's because i'm a parent now that i have these fears i'm guessing my kids are really excited about like the metaverse and ai and robots and stuff geo is really all like into that he's mm. wanting a an ai robot for christmas that we've ordered um and 
the way I look at it is things are so uncertain, like what is going to be the knock-on effect of all these things on you? And I feel so unsure. And I try to listen to like parenting experts and just experts in different fields through a lot of podcasts. Like I love that medium and I, I listen to it when I drive and I'm driving a lot. And and even when they speak about it confidently, there's so many conflicting experts who speak about the same things in different ways that I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen with you guys. I have no idea. Like you said, career is always changing, but I feel the world is changing even more these mm. days. And I don't know if we're doing the right thing for our kids at any step of the way. I really feel a bit unsure and hesitant and so to give advice to them <laughs> I guess just what's worked in my life and I always try and drill this into Geo especially because I'm sure with your two kids as well you, it's unbelievable how different two kids in the same yes. household can be yes just so weird and even weirder for me because I was an only child so I was like this is just the way it is but then seeing the two same kids well the two kids with similar DNA obviously a bit different but in the same house just react so differently to every situation right and, and Gio is sometimes a little he, he's very emotional like he'll be on a really big high and then he'll be maybe mm. quite low sometimes and he'll complain about many things if they don't go his way and I, I try to drum into him right it's all about how you perceive things, right, G? I say to them, you can't change certain things, but you can definitely change how you react to that, right? Just be happy, be positive, mm. and enjoy life. And and I don't know if I've done this too early because my dad and mum never had these kind of talks to me. They were never like, be positive, blah, yeah. blah, be happy, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if it was because of who I was or because of who they were or maybe a bit of both. Maybe didn't need to. Maybe, maybe. And... Uh, but I'm I'm trying to, and I guess this would be to the young people out there, give that kind of advice, right? Always, you know, we've got this song in the UK, look on the bright side of life. And I really feel that can serve you so well mm. in pretty much any situation. And some people might say, yeah, that's easy to say when you've got a good life or something like that. But I think in any case, you can always find that silver lining to something. And so... I'm sure it is a struggle for many young people working and social media and everything, but there's got to be, and there are for sure, advantages that you've got in this generation and compared to other people around you. Mm. Just you've got to look for them and, and kind of find them and cling on to them, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> you call you call your son G? Yeah. Is it a G? That's, that's Geo, even though that's short, <laughs> it's, it's just too it's long. It's too silly. Yeah. I just did one, Dad. Yeah. yeah, little G. Um, I'll... I'll the, the, uh, Arirang PD's name is Gomin Sok. Yeah, Gomin. I wanted to get it right. And, um, he he had this post on social media mm. the other day, which was, um, "I've got a roof over my head and something to eat and someone to talk to. Life mm. is good." Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of all you need sometimes. Sure. If, if that's that's reacting positively to things." Yeah, and you know, one aspect of Korean society, which is maybe a bit of a trope, but I do feel it's it's real is, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, comparing yourself to others is such a big thing yeah. here. And again, it has some positive aspects to it. You know, it keeps people competing and motivated right. and has probably contributed to a lot of its success, right? But the flip side of that is you're always, almost always, comparing yourself to someone who's in a better off position. Yeah. It's not often you compare yourself to someone who's not as well off. 
And, you know, in our kind of place here in Korea, I think there's way more people worse off that we and our kids and, and everyone around us could kind of compare themselves to. Mm. And yeah, I wish people did that more. I don't know why it's that human instinct to always look above, you know, mm -hmm. compare above. You compare below and then, like you said, just that roof over your head, that, that's enough, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And we spoke about it, I think, with the entertainment thing. Sometimes there's that positive feedback loop that if you're, if you're seen and you're known, then you get more work and mm. you get more work. So sometimes putting that positive vibe out there brings you another positive vibe back and you put one out there. I... Mm. You can't just manifest a world of positivity just through your, through your thoughts. But I think it makes existence a little bit easier yes. sometimes by, by just doing that. Hmm. Um, so, Bent Bint. I've heard that We go to this new part. So I always used to ask people what the meaning of life was to mm. close out. And I've got this new thing now yeah. where um, I ask, I'm going to ask you to ask a question about Korea to the next guest. Oh, okie dokie. And so I, 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 before you get your question from okay. the previous guest. All I, right, so I do it first. So you, so you don't even know what the other person asked. Okay. So any question, it can be deep, it can be shallow, it can be long, and you have no idea who the next guest will mm. be. It could, previously, I've had a young 24-year-old talking about feminism, okay. and a 65-year-old talking about the Joseon dynasty. Oh, wow. Okay. A question about Korea, please. All right. Is it okay to be just a, a two-parter? Yes. Okay, so if you were to have someone visit from abroad to Korea and you had 48 hours with them, okay, they they know nothing about Korea, absolutely nothing. They're not a K-pop mm. fan or anything like that. So the first day, I want you to show them the worst side of Korea possible. What would you show them in that 24 hours, right? Yeah. To show... All the bad bits, all the nasty bits. And then conversely, on that next day, what would you show them to show them the best side of career? I don't know. I, well, I also want to get ideas from you for showing people around because I've really run out. But I think that would be interesting. Like, what kind of aspects of career would you show? Like, literally, where would you take them? What would you do on both of those days? Uh, it's a brilliant question because I know who the next guest is. I can't wait to ask it. It's going to be really good. And, and now we're going to find your question. I sent it okay. to you earlier. Nice. The person, maybe try and play it near the microphone or something. Yes. We can repeat it. But the person that sent it to you is Professor Henry M. He's oh, from Yonsei wow. University. He's Associate Professor of History. Okay. He's the he's the authority on Korean history here. Oh, no. So it's going to be a Korean history question. No, you could it? just play it normally. But you can okay. see him there, right, on yes. the thing. Just. Give okay. it a play. All right, here we go. Okay. Mm, I'm not sure who your next guest will be, but um, do you think South, South Korea would ever pass the anti-discrimination law? Oh. <laughs> That's the question for you from the professor of history. Do I think that South Korea will ever pass the anti-discrimination law? Yeah. So that has obviously not been passed, has it then? Since 2007, I believe they've been trying. It's just been in the kind of works all that time. So the anti-discrimination law is the one that's designed to prevent... Uh, employees, workplaces, establishments, you know, uh, firing people, prohibiting people from entry on basis of gender, sexuality, uh -huh. age and things, uh, race. And obviously disability. things have improved a lot over those years without that law being in place. 
That's interesting. Will it ever be passed? Well, if it's not been passed all these years, there must be a lot of friction, I suppose. But, like, the kind of proof is in the pudding, right? With, even without that law, things have improved in many sectors. I, I don't know if I'm trying to dodge the question, but is that <laughs> so important, whether that's passed or not? I mean, of course, it's nice to have it enshrined in law, but I think we've seen a lot of progress in those years since, what, 2007 and stuff like that. Uh and yeah, I don't know enough about the politics and why that hasn't been passed. And mm. we've seen the abolishment of the, what, equality ministry, was it? Yogabu, like the, yeah. the Ministry of Gender and Equality. Yes. And mm. so it doesn't look like we're heading in that direction soon to have mm. this passed. Uh, but again, I don't know if that really matters. Because I think Korean society as a whole has really improved in that sense, hasn't yeah. it? And yeah. Me Too was such a big thing here. Uh and then with sexuality as well, you're seeing that, despite, of course, us lagging behind places like the States and the UK. But I think this World Cup was also good in showing that Korea is not like the worst by any means. You know, we've no. progressed a lot. Mm. Uh, and I feel we're on that curve. You know, we're on that way. So I don't, I don't know if that's such a vital part of that process. I'm sure one day, surely it will pass to answer your question directly. Yeah, yeah surely, <laughs> surely. <laughs> uh, Professor M also mentioned that, you know, you mentioned the Yogabu being closed, mm. uh, that the current administration uh, is taking the Jeju massacre out of the history books again. They're saying, oh, oh no, that, that's, 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 that oh, was really? his, his comments wow. as a historian. Um, Pete, <laughs> We'll leave those politics there, but <laughs> this has been great. You've made me laugh. I, I've got to know a bit more about you. And Thank I don't you. think it was any different from our Monday morning chats on or off camera, really. It just <laughs> yeah, felt normal. Absolutely. I'd like to end with a yes or no question. Okay. It's just yes or no. There's right. no There's no anything else. Okay. The next Premier League winners, <laughs> Arsenal, yes or no? Heart says yes, as as it always does, but brain, no, no, yeah, unfortunately not. Yeah, you made me sad now. I forgot about that during the World Cup. But yeah, Jesus and being injured, I don't see a good solution to that. Oh, you made me depressed at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, man. This was really fun. And uh, I love what you're doing on this podcast as well. uh, If there is, I'm not aware, but there can't be many people like this in Korea looking at it in the deep kind of free form and talking about it from all different aspects. With all different people. Yes. I'm glad I did it with you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Fabulous. That was so enjoyable, David. Thank you so much. See, that all came from me complaining that I wasn't on it at Lena's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But this was the perfect time because... We got to do it in the studio. Today. Yes, it was lovely. Mate, it was a bit hot at first, wasn't it? Yeah. I was, I was the same. I'm sorry about no, that. No, 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 no. It's just my Korean friend.